after one of the most unhinged wrestling weekends in recent <laughs> memory, we are back for a discussion about none of that, as we instead return to our familiar Grin Grappler format for, honestly, one of the heaviest hitters yet, right? One of the most iconic characters in wrestling history. Who's talking about Macho Man Randy Savage? Hell of a lineup here. We have a double shot tonight, which I'll get into in a little bit later. But firstly, most importantly, I'm going to check in on my, my all-star panel. Bobby Two Shoes, how are you this evening, mate? I'm doing well. Um, hopefully my computer doesn't uh, completely break down this time. I'm going to do the rest of the show in my car like we did the other day. It's a little bit colder out today, so uh, <laughs> we'd rather not do that. But yeah, I'm doing well. You know, it's been a, it's been a week so far. Um, just keep moving along, man. Just keep moving along, man. Yeah. There you go, folks. The inspirational words of our very own Robert O'Neill. All right. The Oracle of Wrestling. You've just retrieved your, your dinner for the evening. We we have a, a night ahead of us here. How are you feeling, mate? I'm well. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to get, you know, water because I ordered a drink, but that wasn't delivered to me. True. That happens. It does. Apparently um, happens a lot, right? With Uri, she's telling us. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. But uh, I'm well. Um, I'm excited to talk about one of the goats. And of course, uh, like Joe said, we have a treat for everybody uh, later on. We sure do. A treat is a good way to describe it, I think, honestly. I was, I was gonna do. I was. I was gonna do an intro for myself here, but I, I figured I'd wait for the uh, for the treat later. Wow, a hook! I like it. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Um, I think he's especially on, on tomorrow night. I don't think he is. <laughs> <laughs> they saved that for Fridays, brother. Um, one of the reasons it's such a treat, my friend, the great contrarian Alex, is here and. Very seldom, Alex, do you, do you stop by the Late Night Grim for, for modern grats purposes, which we'll get to. But firstly, I know you're fired up for this for this Grim. Oh, yeah. How are you, how you doing? Good. I already saw one of the comments said these were Joey Janela glasses, but I need to make sure it's established. These are Macho Man shades, baby. The real thing, <laughs> brother. <laughs> yeah, no. Can't wear those the whole time. They fucking, it's dark as shit here already, and they black out the everything. <laughs> That's why Savage mm-hmm. is always going insane. He couldn't see anything. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm happy to be here, man. Talking about like one of the unquestionable best of all time by any metrics, by any metric, I should say. But um, always a pleasure to be back. I'm excited to see you all again. I'm sitting on my couch right now. So if I am like fumbling with positioning, please don't think that I'm You're writing very comfortable. Shit. Yes, very I, comfortable. I am very comfortable. Uh, Good. Not That's unlike, our priority uh, around here, brother. That's our priority. <laughs> when he's, happy holidays when he's, to when he's fumbling, man. when he's fumbling for position, it's just him getting excited talking about Sherry Martell. Yeah, well, we'll get to that, <laughs> or the match, depending on which one we're talking about. But uh, yeah, happy holidays, to all. Glad to be back. Happy to talk about. Uh, we got a great lineup, and obviously a tremendous and fascinating uh, centerpiece of discussion here. And then. I will offer my understanding of what's happening in the current world of professional wrestling. <laughs> okay, so we've kind of alluded to it. I'm going to establish this now because the big thing to me was I want these Grin Grab episodes to be something that can be revisited down the line. right? When we sell this library to Disney, 
needs to hold up. I don't want to give the editor a tough gig. So I didn't want to fill this with all of the talk about what happened last night or God forbid Saturday night or anywhere in between. So I thought, let's treat the people. We were going to do it anyway when the show ended. We were never going to talk about everything that happened. Let's do it live on the air. So tonight, doubleheader, we're going to do a green grappler as usual. And then if you stick, stay on the Twitch page, it, we will be back like pretty soon after that to do what I am. Um, I have titled Grin Grappler After Dark. <laughs> it legitimately may last 20 minutes. It may last an hour and a half. I do not know. Um, we will That's... simply just talk it through, man, as we can, you know? <laughs> what happens when we do this every month? Like, we may just kind of like exchange pleasantries or we'll be talking for three hours about everything <laughs> from fucking Scorsese's new movie to... Uh... What's right. Danny Garcia doing these days? You know, that type of shit. Well, that won't take long. Um, <laughs> so that's ahead of us. If you, you know, if that, if that's your, if you're into that kind of thing, God bless. But if you're here, much remain Randy Savage. We very much understand and we're delighted to, to, to serve you on that regard. Now, before we get to it, uh, Meech has resubscribed. We love Meech around here. He says, dig it. Indeed. 15 months. My God. Months. No you one. Better that old bastard. Oh. <laughs> no one going go 16 months immediately beating Meech god bless um, however this one lads does a little bit of a ooh yeah action I don't do the macho impression no one hit the the ooh yeah the one want to do ooh yeah thank you Alex I feel, I feel like you I, I didn't want to single you out but I felt like you were my leading candidate I wasn't really looking in Bob's direction for that particular task space is and, the place and the time is now and the victor of all our friend Brenton Rose is 18 months so hell yeah League leader for the evening. God bless. <laughs> we appreciate you guys, and uh, hopefully we pop you this evening. We're certainly going to pop ourselves, which is <laughs> which is the main thing. All right, let's get to it. So much to talk about Randy Savage, but we'll start as we always do with our personal fandoms. And this is interesting because while we've done we've done twenty episodes now, I feel like we haven't actually talked about Savage. Like, oh, am I wrong in this regard? No, I don't think so. It's, it's really, I was kind of pondering it earlier. So, this really is a blank slate in terms of asking this question. I'll start with you, Bob. Your fandom of Randy Savage, you know, what that, you know, what that kind of wheeze career means to you, how much of it you've seen before this, so on and so forth. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Another guy, you know, like I've talked about in the past, a guy that I really came to discover kind of through the WWE network. Um, I was aware of him, but like I was trying to think when I first like saw him, because, you know, when I was watching, I didn't watch WCW, you know, it ended before I started watching. And then, Obviously, when I was watching WWE, it's not like Savage ever, like, came around for anything because he was not really allowed there. So, like, he was in Legends of Wrestling Showdown, but that was 2004. I had to have known about him since, or, like, prior to 2004, but, like, I don't know was, for sure. That was the only one he was in, right? He wasn't yeah. in the first two. Yeah. No, he was not. Um, so, yeah, I don't even really know when I, like, became aware of him because I can't imagine the time not being aware of him. He's so, like, ubiquitous, and he's right up there, honestly, with Hogan as far as, like you know, mainstream notable people who've just kind of been all over the place. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen all the big stuff. I've seen, I saw most of the stuff we watched today prior to uh, today. Um, you know, he's kind of involved in 93. He's mostly on commentary and the stuff I'm watching, but you know, he'll be back for a little bit before he leaves and then has a whole nother run in WCW. So yeah, kind of been all over the place, but uh, he's one where I can't exactly identify like the first time I saw him. Yeah, I, I co-signed that actually, Bob, and, and I actually would go as far as to say that while I was familiar with this lineup mostly, um, broadly he's someone that I don't know as much about as I'd like to. 
you mm-hmm. know, I think tonight this process is kind of just reading up different things. Cause I like trying to get a fuller picture of just beyond our matches. So he's one of those guys who I appreciate, I'm aware of, but I can't, I don't have a super big connection to beyond my obviously um, absurd WCW watches, which gives you some mixed results with Savage, is fair to say, right? Like there's some ups and downs, a lot of mm. the latter, unfortunately, but um, we'll get there nonetheless. The Oracle of Wrestling. Your Randy Savage fandom. Tell me about it. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Uh, my my first, you know, real memories of, of, of Savage were from the uh, Slim Jim commercials from the, you know, from the 90s as, as as a little kid and he was an actual pop culture icon so he was one of those that always was like right when you first start watching he was just like okay you know you know who that is mm-hmm. even though by early 2000 you know i wasn't watching you know the fucking tokyo dome show so <laughs> which was like his last match before the infamous uh tna match um you know that you know that that wasn't a you know, obviously it wasn't on my radar. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just started watching right as he kind of left because before the Tokyo Dome show uh, uh, was uh, the Rodman match uh, at oh, uh, Road Wild or Hog Wild 99. To quote um, Jim Ross at Royal Rumble 2000, this is going to be a chore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that match actually had like, praise for the longest time for some reason that whole shows that's the one where the main event was fucking red and yellow hogan against nash right yeah yeah that's a rough Fuji has always thought to blur for me once yeah. it goes beyond like the point i always circle especially even before this it starts but the point of no return for me i often find with my knowledge is when flair when they did the inexplicable flair heel turn was it uncensored Beyond that, yeah. Russo, I have no clue. That like eight months. Oh no yeah, clue. the last the last six months of Bischoff were like, huh? Yeah, um, it's lost. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so in terms of like really getting a good glimpse of him, um, honestly, it was probably you know just watching you know picking up VHS and and stuff from Blockbuster and 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 whatever growing up, and then uh, my dad got got. My brother Dustin and I, the uh, the big WrestleMania set in 2006, mm-hmm. Christmas 2006, you know, with like all 22 WrestleManias mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, and I watched like, you know, obviously a ton of them and rewatched a bunch of the 81s and so saw all that stuff repeatedly uh, for several years. And then, of course, I got his DVD that they had, uh, that they put out. I think it was like shortly after his death, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with like the three disc set with all of his matches. So I watched that. Um, discovered the Saturday Night's Main Event match we're going to cover uh, through the Saturday Night's Main Event DVD, I think. I believe that was on there, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then, of course, I, I, I watched a lot of stuff for the 80 sets. Uh, Memphis and then, and then for the uh, WWF set that never came to be because there's something called copyright infringement. Um, and, 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 uh, so I, I, I got to watch a lot of his stuff from, from those eighties house shows and, and, you know, MSG Philly, uh, in the spectrum of Boston garden, all that stuff. And he just is like, man, this guy's, 
he always had the charisma and and you know it was it was always you know it was always obvious his promo abilities charisma his character was always just on point but his in-ring stuff is and 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 i think we really picked a really good uh slate of matches because he's fucking great in the ring like he's easily a top 100 worker in the ring still even now yeah and he has a very distinct style too Mm-hmm. Very, and it's so much so that when guys try to do his to, to kind of play his hit, so to speak, you immediately can tell. You immediately know what they're going for. You know, he's very distinct in that way. Alex, I'm intrigued, mate. Tell me about your fandom, Randy Savage. Being the resident old guy on the panel here, uh, it's funny. I'm going to say the same thing I said about Terry Funk, and I think both of these guys are in the same category of greatest of all time uh, contention. Uh, what I said about Terry Funk, it goes for Randy Savage. I don't remember because I've been watching wrestling since I was t- fucking three years old because I chose a wrong path in life. But uh, <laughs> I don't remember life without Randy Savage. I don't remember a time in wrestling without Randy Savage. I don't remember being a little kid without having a Randy Savage Hasbro or my Macho King wrestling buddy. Um, and I don't remember him just being like a a piece of pop culture like in now 2023 he is still as recognizable as any current wrestler there's still people that like uh you could take a picture of john cena to some people on the street and they wouldn't know who he is but they would know who randy savage is and he, he's one of those guys that's like he's he's he might even be more recognizable than hulk hogan to some people of just you know knowing him from tv because like there's still these you know sporting events that people go with the team colors dressed up as randy savage and it's you know he's he's in that you can take a picture of him to north sentinel island and they would be like ah slim jim you know they (laughs) and so he's a He's a legend, but I think more importantly for the purposes of what we're talking about, um, I think when people ask me who's the greatest pro wrestler of all, not people like y'all that have the psychotic knowledge that we all have, but like when someone who knows I like wrestling is like, who's the best wrestler of all time? I'm like, it's either Randy Savage or Terry Funk. Like by what you would use to analyze and say makes a great pro wrestler, probably Randy Savage big and flamboyant and bombastic big costumes big gestures big motions his promos were um great in that they made a message but he did it while talking like no human being has ever talked at all before (laughs) or since and then his matches were like they made sense they were big moves but he also wrestled in a way that looked like you would compete if professional wrestling was a legitimate sport and um i yeah i've just I remember as a teen, he when he joined the Wolfpack, I, rem- I wasn't a teen yet. I was a preteen. But I remember at that point being like, he's old and he's not cool anymore because I've got Steve Austin and uh, The Rock and Triple H over here on Raw that I watch every week. And so, like, I unfairly maligned him as an old guy uh, in real time, whereas, like, I don't know why I always thought he was the old guy when like fucking Piper and Hogan were still doing shit, but, um, <laughs> and then being the obsessed with TNA as I was, and I watched victory road live when he showed up, I was like, 
oh man, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, and I remember I wasn't uh, this things to get out of the way here. I remember I wasn't like on the internet at that point in time when the first Spider-Man came out. So I didn't know he was in it. So I flipped out because of that. And, uh, and then I think one of the last things he did, two of the last things he did, he was on King of the Hill. He was, uh, oh, on an yeah. episode where he was one of Bill's friends. And then he was a voice of a henchman or something in a very underrated Disney movie called Bolt. And, uh, that might've been his for his last, excuse me, acting credit. Um, but he's just he's always been there and i think what we're going to talk about today is more specific to his wrestling but like he was a, a unique figure in american specifically but at large global pop culture um truly seemed to be a one-of-a-kind human being as well and just like when it came to bell to bell for what we're going to talk about just a pro wrestler unlike any other yeah, and he's also so um He's so attached to that particular era too, right? Like he's often, you know, the mind will go to Hogan and fairly so Hogan was the face of that, of that kind of wrestling generation. But man, he is like right there, you know, like I don't think you can look much beyond that about seeing Savage, honestly. And the problem was like Hogan was the first one to become the bad guy and wear the red and uh, the, excuse me, the white and black with the NWO. And then so like, when Savage did it after the fact, it was like, oh, he's just copying Hogan, you know, brother, give me that money. He knew what, where he was going. And I just remember trying to process that in real time. But uh, Savage has some hidden gems in WCW, even in the white and black. And even if you can believe it in the red and black as well. Uh, but one of the things we're going to talk about as we go through is like, no fucking wonder that guy was a spent force by the time he got to WCW. Yeah. And he's, and again, this goes back to him kind of being unique. He is not a classical worker in style, right? He is a guy whose best work is fueled by this kind of insane creativity as well as maybe an unmatched wrestling engine. Like that dude could just go, right? The pace he would push and the energy he would bring. And naturally as he aged, that kind of, that, 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 that element left him. But nonetheless, we'll get there. We'll start though. Well, this kind of explained the acts. So I think the acts are pretty much, they speak for themselves with the first match, kind of serving as a wild card. Because I think we needed to have a look at pre-WBF Savage. I think it was important. Because it's easy to forget. You know, I was looking at when this first match we did, I think he's 81. And he's like 30 years old, I think, at that point. You know? Like, he's He looks 10 years older here than he does at SummerSlam 88. (laughs) Exactly. So much less glossy. Uh, So it's kind of a wild card. We start in what I believe to be May of 1981, there is some dispute as to the date because for anyone that doesn't know, ICW, this is not the Grado promotion, to be clear. Uh, this is the Poffo's territory. It was what they actually would call an outlaw territory. Right, That was the thing with, with that promotion. And um, as a result, it's all its history is kind of murky in that way. Um, let's get this out of the way now before we even get into this first match, which of course is the steel cage match with Ron Garvin. Um, the elephant in the room here is, of course, the commentator, who is a solo effort from from Lanny Poffo, New Japan Pro Wrestling legend Lanny Poffo, and the he is artist man. There are no words that even the four of us together could muster to encapsulate <laughs> what he does with this. He has around twenty five minutes here to call this match, <laughs> and he at no point even signals excitement. He uses the word appendages. 
<laughs> and at the end when he's coming into the ring, he's like yes. I stands all I could stands and I had to go help my yes. brother and here I come into the ring. <laughs> it is one of the most insane things. I, to the point where I think I view this match totally differently if Lanny is not narrating it for me. I I pondered <laughs> muting it. I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Bless Lanny. It's it's unfathomable. But nonetheless, um Oracle we turn to you for this first slot, right? We kind of said, we, we need something pre-WF for Savage because there is a whole career there and a whole life before that. Um, and you mentioned these matches. Now, I did a little bit of research, and I know these were kind of... This this series uh, is something that gets talked about a lot among hardcore fans, right? And interestingly enough, in this match we watched, Garvin is the heel, Savage is the babyface. <clears throat> From what I could gather, oftentimes it would be the other way around, interestingly enough, which, which intrigued me. But nonetheless... It's a famous match among hardcores, obviously not as famous as the rest of the matches on this. Tell us about kind of what your awareness of this time, and then as you do transition into what you thought of the match. Uh, yeah, so uh, like you mentioned, ICW was a uh, was an outlaw was was an outlaw promotion, um, kind of Memphis adjacent, I think. Yeah. Um, and this is where Randy was after his uh, baseball career kind of phased out and, you know, he went and followed the family business and did the, uh, did the graps. Um, ICW fucking sucks to be honest. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, Landy's commentary sort of <laughs> helps you, helps you understand that. Um, the atmosphere for this is, is, is obviously not uh, enthralling. But um, yeah, he was he was just like a he was basically the biggest star in ICW around this time, and then uh, right. transitioned into Memphis, where he became uh, you know pretty big territory star. Uh, had the had the famous feud with Lawler, and then of course uh, he was he was one of the big uh, the big ones Vince picked up um, in '85, uh, and uh, then we went off and running. But um, yeah, this was. <laughs> and Alex makes a great point. Savage always looked like middle-aged or older. Like yeah. he, he never looks like he's just a fascinating looking yeah. fella, really, isn't he? He yeah. just no. <laughs> yes. um, this this match is uh it's a very good match, but you have to you have to get past the um everything else around it. And that can yeah. be difficult. Yeah. I struggled. I couldn't. Immerse I watch it twice. I'm not going to lie. Like, and, and, and I've seen the match before, but like yeah. this time around, I, I, I had to watch it twice. Second time, second go around it, it, it held up. But. I'm glad we did it because it's one of those things where it's like you experience it. Right. And you see where he was at what six years before our next match, which is kind of wild to think about. I just couldn't quite immerse myself in it because of the the surrounding elements at play, um, and it should be. I mean, Lanny is a major issue, but he's not the only issue. The atmosphere is not, you know, as you mentioned, it wasn't exactly rocking and rolling in there. Um, when he was doing the commentary for this, he was laying down in his bed, supine, <laughs> with the TV this close to his face. <laughs> it's a fascinating vibe, um, Alex. I'm intrigued what you made of our, our opening contest here. Rubbish Ronnie Garvin. Uh, 
my first notes here involve the graphics that they show. For some yes. reason, they don't just use pictures of Garvin and Savage. They just ask them to stand still for 10 seconds. <laughs> and so they're like trying very hard not to blink and just like, you know, keep a stone pose. And then uh, Garvin's hair here, man. Brother had the Eric Foreman hairdo going on. He was he was still stuck in the seventies with that one. Uh, I like Garvin. I always think Garvin is kind of an unfair punchline because he was like the guy during like the Flair and Dusty era that won the title that really sticks out. But I think he was a really good worker, and I, I enjoy his stuff. Um, Lanny on commentary, <laughs> Savage coming out to the Irene Cara song "Fame." That that mm-hmm. like what? And he's not even like going to the beat of it. Pomp and circumstance works so well for him because the way he moved to the ring was just so like flowing. But he's still doing the same entrance here. But in the background, "Fame," I'm on a live yeah. <laughs> It's like he's been added in post. It's fascinating. <laughs> it's like it's on the network. You know, New Jack in the ghetto. They just added yeah. something. <laughs> Um, so of all the calls Lanny had uh, I do need to call out in the early going here when they're grappling he says this is a cage match and he goes a cage match is the last resort in professional wrestling (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's a grinding affair and Garvin had good punches but you know dude Savage has to be in the, the god tier working punches. Agree. And yep. there's more of that will come. Uh, <laughs> Oracle, one of my all time favorite Twitter exchanges was um, before Roosh, like really, we now know Roosh is awesome. But uh, right when he first showed up in Ring of Honor and everyone pretended like they watched him in Mexico for years, uh, there was a clip like on his first ring of honor match. He did one of those things where he did a headbutt, and he like wound up his hand and slapped his thigh when he mm-hmm. did it. And MLJ said, this is the fucker you guys have been praising. And your brother Dylan was like, care to explain Randy Savage's punches. And then Emil responded, explaining in kayfabe why you would wind up to throw a punch like Randy <laughs> Savage does. <laughs> That's just one of my all time favorite Twitter. Changes. <laughs> but this match is um, it start. It doesn't start off like what you would see in a cage match. It's very grinding, very punch heavy, very brawly. You know, it, looks just like two drunk guys fighting each other but then eventually garvin like eats the cage in the the post in the middle and not even that shit you see like in all cage matches where someone just ah flies it savage just ramming his head into it you can hear the Mm -hmm. his head hitting the bar it's metal as fuck uh eventually garvin does a top rope knee drop that savage sells like um like Kirk in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre getting hit in the head by Leatherface, where he just kind of starts twitching out and shit. And it looks just fantastic. And, you know, everyone always... I think people have lost sight now uh, in the new era of professional wrestling of, like, what Vince McMahon hates about wrestling. And this match is, like, an encapsulation of what Vince wanted to be anything but when he took over the WWF. It's, like, it's dark, it looks gross, and this match is just very grinding, and the mat's dirty, and these guys are bleeding, and their gear's dirty, and it's just... It's, um... It's it's a fun place to start with Randy Savage, because, like, literally how colorful 
his matches yeah. would become and whatnot. This is a, a far contrast from that. Um, the Warrior match is like one of the most colorful matches ever, mm. quite literally. And then um, you guys know me at this point. I uh, I do love a match where the entire gist of it is that a guy is trying to hit one move and then when they hit that move it works and they win and that in this match is the pile driver that randy savage hits on uh rubbish ronnie garvin and then i did pop for pez wadley doing a run in at the end i was like yeah pez (laughs) and uh lanny then you know commentating if you want to see the discrepancy between someone like a lanny poffo and a dusty Rhodes, there's a, a famous I believe it's from Florida, a famous example of Dusty Rhodes commentating one of his own run-ins. And he is like, here I come, baby. I'm hitting the ring like the fields of ambrosia. More moves than a bowl of jello, daddy. And he's just going nuts. And in this case, Lanny's just, you know, like he's fucking reading of mice and men to a room of children. (laughs) We were children together. (laughs) I don't know any Lanny. Who the fuck is this? (laughs) Um, So I think a wonderful jumping off point of seeing and knowing what Randy Savage would become and what to this day is beheld as to see that he did start, he had the robe, yeah, with like the dragon and said Savage on the back. But this is just like, this is a territory brawl. This is like, uh, mm-hmm. it's he had the. It was shortly around this time he had that match with Lawler, and this looks like something Lawler would have done. Yeah, you use the word gross. I think, I think that's apt. It's like it kind yeah. of you, know, you kind of feel uncomfortable, especially because Lanny's narrating it and he's. Talking about like it's sort of it's it's a fast the first like ten minutes of the match they're just kind of wrestling for position and it's just like kind of yeah just like grunting and just just wrestling all this is while Lenny's Lenny took shop part in the match where um, Savage goes for the pin it's near the rope and he pins him once Ronnie puts one foot on the ropes he hooks that leg and then he puts the other foot on the ropes and the crowd starts laughing and then Randy hooks the other leg. And Lanny says something like, you have to wonder what would happen if it was the middle of the ring. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, he starts breaking down the style of matchup, and he, like, just concludes that Randy's better at everything. (laughs) He's stronger, he's quicker. (laughs) But, uh, fascinating vibes. Bobby, the idea of you watching this match is, like, (laughs) incredible to me. Like, I'm actually mad that we didn't get a grin along of just you just sitting, just patiently watching these two fellas wrestle for position. Um, tell me, yeah, that. you know, kind of uh, was waiting for it to get going. Looked down, it was about 12 minutes in, they still hadn't gotten going, and uh, <laughs> kind of lost me there. But you know, there were a couple nice uh points that Alex pointed out. I'm glad we started with this, like you guys pointed out as well, just because it is so different than the other uh five matches. But yeah, not really for me. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I totally get it. What you were saying that I had struggled to get into, and I've you know. I often joke about liking these kind of perverse yeah. professional wrestling matches, so I get it completely. But it was it allowed for a contrast, right? And I think yeah. it was kind of important to, to look back. So with that there, in mind, some story next. about like this time period, right, where the Poffos and Lawler like one of them pulled a gun on her, like waited for him. Oh in the yeah, parking it was, lot some, yeah. yeah, it was a whole ordeal. Um, because that was the thing with an outlaw promotion. The idea was that they were. The idea was they were operating in a fashion that like made the business look bad, right? So the the alternative to the the, the outlaw promotion would resent that that promotion existed, basically. Yeah. 
Um, so there was a whole war there, as far as I know. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm like super well read on, but I know that this particular promotion has a hilarious reputation. And just along the way, because of, of course, its owner, Savage is just there, just <laughs> being Randy Savage. So um, fascinating, fascinating times. Uh, we will get to Bronson Reed versus Ivar. No one going cool. Double oh, header. We're going to get there. <clears throat> I'm a lot to forget we're going to get there now that I've said that. But anyway, we we jump ahead here six years. It's 1987, and it's like, it's like stepping into a different world altogether. No right? shit. Like Satellite's main event, it's, I believe it aired on this day in, in 87. I think it was taped on November 11th. I think it aired on the 28th. It um, thank you, Bobby. Brett the Hitman Hart, who, believe it or not, folks, we're pretty big fans of around here. Um, check out in the archives, right? The SummerSlam edition, Hitman. Um, he is representing his, <laughs> his fellow Hart Foundation member, the Honky Tonk Man here. Who is in the midst of a, a, a feud with, with Savage? I was looking at their history together. So this is the first of four four singles matches across their entire careers these two. Two of them were televised. This one and their last one, which was Slamboree 98. Less said about that, the better. The one that I didn't know about until I was doing research for this, they wrestled for the WWF title in Japan. Yes, I saw that. Yep. It looks awesome. Do we know if there's in any like footage 90- of that? Two or I think it's 94. 94 yeah, okay. Yeah. I think it's the tour that Tenru that was on was like yeah, because the match before that is uh Undertaker and Tenru against Bam yeah. Bam and uh who was the other one? Yoko, I think. Yeah, Yoko God, that is... synergy there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm horny. That one is out there. That one is there's a fan cam of that, I'm pretty sure. These I've always seen the pictures good. of Brett and Savage in that Japan match, but I've never seen actual footage yeah. from it. Um so and like instinctively, you kind of go, "How would that work in Japan?" But then there's a match when Savage works Japan, which we'll get to in a bit. As like a, we'll mention it. But yeah. Is... <laughs> My goodness. Nonetheless, November 1987. I just love the entire essence of this match. It's they're really they really barely scratch the surface on what these two could have actually done with like more time and in a different scenario because it's just mm. a match, right? Like it's a match. Randy's going to get a win on Saturday night's main event. But God, this thing just feels right, Bobby. What did you make of, of our second match? Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, both guys just really kind of showed off uh, how good at selling they were at various points. Um, you know, kind of showcase for Brett because he was still mostly just a tag guy at this point, right? Sure, he wasn't yeah. really working singles all that much. So, yeah, they gave him that spot and he uh, ran with it, man. You kind of see where, like, kind of like we saw with Savage in the first match, like, you see where Brett is going to evolve to in the next few years, and I thought that was pretty cool. And, yeah, just a hell of a match. You know, Saturday night's main event um, is incredible concept, presentation, all that, and this lived up to it. Yeah, I hope it comes back when they get those special yeah. redo. But, uh, man, you mentioned the punches earlier, Alex. They got We've got two of them here, right? There's some beautiful just pockets of, of like, brawling. It's... Visually, this is just gorgeous. Alex, what did you make of, of Brett and Savage? Absolutely. Um, did any of y'all start the broadcast from the beginning where they do the Twilight Zone opening? Yes. Where it's the Twilight Zone theme and Savage is like, you come into the Twilight Zone. And I forgot <laughs> he was. So this was the tail end of his Intercontinental title run where Honky would beat him and then hold it for the record, right? Yeah, so I think he's. I think Honky has won it at this point. 
I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I didn't catch if yeah. Savage. But the had feud come out. is like the feud is like extended just beyond because yeah. obviously he's about to go and win the big one the following year. So yeah, which hilariously that as we all know, Honky's record was just recently beaten, and in a company that is obsessed with constantly beating records, it's pretty fucking uh, <laughs> charming that Honky's record lasted nearly forty years. Uh, but yes, the Twilight Zone opening was incredible. I put in our group chat. Um, to Oracle, but uh, Bob probably did. You see, they had Brian Bosworth at ringside. I did <laughs> the boss that that was in Vince, of course. Oh, look who's here! The boss. This is when he was on the Seahawks, and <laughs> Vince acting like he knows anything about professional sports. Uh, yes, the punches are incredible, but um, we uh, our episode on Brett focused on his SummerSlam matches and kind of cracked a little bit later into things um he is bumping here like randy orton before he found out he was going to be rich like you know he's he's bouncing around the ring like fucking someone at czw best of the best it's just i I, to know what he became and how good he was and efficient he was at selling and whatnot it's just kind of awesome to go back and see something like this when he was still bob called it out too it was clear this was a big opportunity for him to wrestle savage on national television so he definitely made the most of it um the megaphone shot to the gut is fantastic just uh, looks wonderful and uh, savage eats a pile driver and the pop he gets for kicking out uh, savage is insane you know we deal with some pretty hot crowds throughout this uh these matches that yeah. we cover here but it's just wild. He just kicks out of a pile driver and people act like, you know, the Pope's in town. Um, Brett in this particular incarnation of being a heel where he was part of the tag team. So he looks to Jimmy or Nightheart for approval, but he's still, you know, that Brett cocky and pushing his hair side to side. It's just, it's fantastic, man. He, for someone who the popular knock on him is he was bland and generic, like, you can find so many different eras of him and so many different versions of Brett that were just wonderful. Uh, for I was thinking though, for the time, especially because I think the main event or the big match on this was Bundy and Hogan. It this was, match yeah. is lightning fast. The way these guys are moving and the counters they're doing, that's the type of shit that, you know, Bundy and probably making us look bad. The, the vanilla midgets <laughs> out there, man, killing the business. Um, so Savage takes an insane backdrop over the top rope. And I've seen Savage do this in a lot of his matches. And uh, one has to imagine he was doing that shit on house shows too. And so it's like I made mention of earlier. It's no wonder he was more beat to shit than Piper or Hogan by the time he got to WCW because of like, you look at this and then the part where he, so he takes this huge backdrop. And what I'm saying is he literally gets backdropped over the top rope, but at the last second gets like his feet down to kind of break his fall. And so then the match becomes that one of his ankles is hurt. So he takes his boot off and then like a true psychopath, they do the spot where you run the guy's foot into the ring post, but instead like Savage is like fucking do it for real. And so Brett just takes his <laughs> like exposed foot and his sock and just rams it as hard as he can into the ring post. And uh, it's one of the many times I just have the word fuck in all caps in my notes. But uh, 
most of the time, nine times out of ten, a great finish that will always work in wrestling and is always so fun to watch as a viewer is the guys hobbled in some way or getting beat up and wins on a roll-up because the, the bad guy gets too confident. And that's how this ends. You know, if one wanted to play armchair psychologist or kind of like, you know, dive deeper into it, you could be like, ah, Brett took note of this and remembered it for his match with Diesel, you know, 10 years after this. So it's like uh, a wonderful TV match. And for, uh, you know, all the... um, the company narrative has become like Steamboat and Savage was like the mind blowing match of that era. Yeah, if you didn't buy the pay per view, if you just watch TV every week, watching something like this, if you're used to Hogan and Andre, you'd be like, "Holy shit!" This yeah, is it must have wild. Mm. Yeah, I thought the same thing. The pace of this must have been jarring because, like, if you look at the rest of this show, it isn't just the main brother. It's like because it's the, that ring you couldn't bump on that ring. <laughs> you know, it's the match is basically split into two. It's like. The first half is them just pushing a serious pace and basically priding themselves on being two of the, the real workers on the squad, right? Like, they, they're going and they're having The fun. colliders. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the second half is built around their ankle injury, which shaped... And you see, you have different dynamics. You see different parts of their game. When Brett's, like, punching the ankle... Um, by the way, you mentioned Brett's bumping. What was that one he takes into the barricade off the apron? He always loved taking straight off mm. the apron, right? Like yep. to, the, to the floor. That's how he broke his sternum um, against Dino Bravo. Yes, absolutely. That part of his book is hilarious. It's like an actual play-by-play. Like he was watching <laughs> it rather than living it. Um, nonetheless, yeah, I, I just love this. And it has it's kind of like a look at what, you know, as we move forward through the decades and like the TV worked differently, so you kind of had to have like, frequent 12-minute matches between guys that were pushed. It's kind of like a look at these two guys in that system because it was a different era then, right? Most of the TV, mm-hmm. you're getting out there and getting squash matches. Saturday Night's main event, obviously, you don't want to have some some like actual big-time action. So this serves that part. It's really fascinating watching that regard. Tremendous. You know stuff. what bothers me about the Saturday Night main events on the network is the theme song, obviously, for Saturday Night's main event was BAMP. Bam, 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 but they're not going to use that on the network because they don't own the rights to it. So some of them have the later era, bam, and, bam, oh, yeah. and then some yeah. of them just have like this Muzak bullshit that it drives me nuts. But strangely enough, remember they got that um, that song they used it for the Bray Cena Firefly Funhouse match, the original Saturday Night Main Event theme, and that's still on the network. So I don't know what the deal is, man. Wait, they did. So they actually got this for that. Was that authentic? That match, they actually got the song. Mm-hmm. That's quite good. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I had no idea. Yeah. Tremendous, tremendous stuff. You have the, the megaphone cut off here, right? Along the way, which always pops me. <laughs> Savage, when he gets the megaphone at the end and starts hitting the siren on it while they're all like <laughs> scattering out of the ring, it's fantastic. Uh, tremendous. Yeah, just the way those Saturday Night's main events were presented, like where the camera was higher up, like it wasn't yeah. like a level shot with the. I don't know. It's um, I'm with Bob of like going back and rewatching those. It's uh, I can't imagine, you know, to be the level of fan we are at this point in 1987 would have been truly psychotic. But if like you were that, I can't imagine how awesome those Saturday night's main events would have been, would have been. And, and to think of like, they gave us that Brett and DiBiase, that great Hogan Terry Funk match. Like there was mm-hmm. just a, a lot that a lot of good that came from it. Shane McMahon and Shawn Michaels, of course. 
So, I do, whenever I watch Saturday Night's Main Event, I always think like, and I put this is a slightly pessimistic thing to say on a show we're celebrating Randy Savage, but I'm just gonna be honest. I always think, I wonder if anyone will ever again approach wrestling broadcasts with like so much imagination and focus on vision. They were so purposeful in what they were portraying. Like, because as shows, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of shit on these shows. Let's not pretend otherwise. I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, it's not like they're filled with great matches, but they have such a feel and personality, and the presentation is so specific mm-hmm. to the point where you mentioned our friends, the colliders. When they were doing those pre-tape promos to start the show, everyone was like, oh, they're doing Saturday Night's Main Event. Like, it has that much of an impact. Yep. Yeah. And wrestling now, again, I apologize for a bit. It always comes to mind when I watch these because they have such a like it was actually a thing where you could tell there was a clear this is who, what we want to present our products being, and that feels like a lost art now to me anyway. I don't know. The the only thing that really um... did you miss me? Absolutely. <laughs> he's not here to make friends. He's here to make money. Uh, right. <laughs> the the only thing that annually feels like they want the presentation of the show to be as big a part of the show as WrestleMania. Everything yeah. else is just like LED screens everywhere, you know, uh, light the crowd red, um, make it look like the Nitro logo. That's um, it, it is. We're getting way off here, but yeah, it's um, My bad. <laughs> there, no, it's because it's valid. Like Gabe's ring of honor was a valid attempt to change like the idea of presentation of wrestling. Yeah. And WWF for the past 25 years has just been how can we add more screens to it? That's basically what they right. go for. And the AEW has become how can we look exactly like WWE? And there's just really no room for creativity yeah. or vision. Yeah, I don't know. And this is fair. So that, like, we'll get to my favorite professional wrestling look of all time is repped on this screen grappler, which we'll get to. But nonetheless. They, they, I did appreciate this past weekend how close they had the fans to the, the wrestlers. That's uh, like, <laughs> as Vince has gotten older, the space between fans and wrestlers has gotten wider <laughs> and wider. So I'm glad they're like getting it back to because one of the someone posted recently because it was the 10th anniversary. One of the greatest pro wrestling entrances ever is Sid at Survivor Series '96 because all the people are yep. just like touching him and high fiving him. Yeah, and man. you know that's uh, anyway. Yes, absolutely. We went off the rails there, Oracle. We apologize, but oh no. Yeah, I, I I left for 17 minutes, so you know. It's... Well, what did you think of Bret Hart versus Randy Savage? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, this match rules. It's like legitimately one of the best Saturday Night's Main Event matches ever. Um, I always forget how good this is because like I was like popping watching it. Like, um, I think. It's right around the time Savage turns face, right? Like, it's right around the time he turns face. Yeah. Um, they're, they're pretty into him, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, he's crazy over. And um, his selling of his ankle is always incredible in this. God, he was so good at that. Like, he was so believable when he would do, like, limb selling, too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there, there are different ways to do, like, limb selling that pops me. There's, like, the Christian way of, like, Totally like doing like dead weight, like limb selling. Not that Savage doesn't do that here because he does, but he, but the, but it's just, 
his facial expressions, like the way Inspiration. he like, yeah. where the way he wears his whole body out with like his expressions. WrestleMania eight's a great example of that. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, he's so fucking good in this, and uh, of course, Brett's excellent. And there's some awesome spots and bumps in this. Savage's uh, uh, like attempt, you know, like his his typical accent onto the floor were. I think it's is 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 it the anvil who hits him with the with the with the megaphone in the midsection? They distract the referee. Brett has it okay, right. They, yeah. yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, that was that like looked awesome. Um, just some just some really good stuff. The finish is tremendous. Uh, you know, where it, it's a classic Brett finish. Uh, but of course, you know he's he's you know rolls reverse. He's the one who's getting uh, getting pinned here. But Savage is definitely similar in the way he thinks so uh I, I could definitely see that that you know also being randy's idea there especially with him being higher on the card at the time um just an awesome finish with a small package um but just yeah I, I i this is a match that always stands out to me because there's you know you've got you've got the heart foundation and and jimmy hart on the outside and 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 uh you know elizabeth's like desperately you know trying to help what you know any way she can and and uh Randy's kind of, you know, in, in this crazy three-on-one situation and he, and, he, and, he, and he prevails and he's just a new babyface and he's so over and his selling is just incredible. Just one of the great hidden gems at the time. Uh, I, I think people, have, you know, over the years have become more more familiar with this match, but it was very much a hidden gem when, when it was mm-hmm. uh, on that Saturday Night's Main Event DVD. It was like people were like, holy shit, this match is awesome. Yeah. I can see that because the way it's presented, it is it really is just like a stop on the way for Savage. But obviously, his history, especially with Brett's reputation and such, like I, I get that. Um, the thing that's most impressive as matches is awesome, and we've celebrated it for the last twenty minutes. But it is like, like just a look at what they could have done together. You know, like it's it, again different scenario. It never it's really came together. Really good way. here. Yeah, yeah. exactly. This is their first. Yeah. I was saying when you left, Robert. This is their first singles match. They only have four in their whole career. It's wild. Like that's nuts. Yeah, what they could have done in like ninety, you know, such for example, ninety two at WrestleMania. Just, I mean, good lord. But nonetheless, yeah. it wasn't to be. Both guys, I think, had pretty decent catalogs anyway. So <laughs> there it is, the Bret Hart match. All right, let's wrap up Act One. Act One is basically everything before Savage becomes WWF champion. Right. So, what other matches would we like to call out from that? I mean, obviously, we'll get out of the way. The Ricky Steamboat match is pretty good from what I can gather. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. He, what's the best T.O. Santana match? Is there a, a definitive the Boston Garden, Garden where uh, Savage wins the title? February of course, 8, right. 86, I believe. That house yeah. show is awesome. It's um, There's that match. Brett Russell, Steamboat, Bull Nakano, and Dump course, Matsumoto yeah. have a tag match. Uh, and the main event is... Hogan and JYD against Terry and Dory, I think. Uh, so that that house show is in the old school section of the WWE network, and or for us plebeians in the United States, Peacock. Uh, but yes, that's the best Tito match. Um, uh, from there the... are some that think now. I'm not, I, I don't really agree because it's you know the the WrestleMania, not. But some some people feel the Toronto. 87 yeah. matches Steamboat's actually better in the ring. Yeah, I've never I got that, like, but I do like it a lot. I thought Steamboat said that for a while until it became the narrative mm-hmm. of, like, this is how you're going to cash your checks is saying that this match is better. 
So he says a lot uh, of things. He does. <laughs> uh, the wrestling classic, one of the first rounds of the tournament is Dynamite Kid and Randy Savage. And like, I would hate someone to just hear that and think it's like the greatest match of all time because it's not that, but it's like a fantastic, it's like, um, who did Brett wrestle in the opening round of King of the Ring 93? Was it Razor? Razor, yeah. Yeah, and that match is not like the best match they could have, but for the opening round of a tournament, it's, it's awesome fucking awesome. That. And yeah. that's like, yeah. and that's how Savage Dynamite is. Um, didn't he wrestle Rick Rude in Mid South? Mm, interesting. Mid South, maybe Memphis. Um, I thought he and Rick Rude were in a tag team in Memphis at one point. I could be mistaken though. Uh, I feel like I remember watching him wrestle Rude in uh, pre WWE and. Because Rude, you know, was always great, but especially when he, before he got so roided up, he was borderline immobile. Um, Pedro, uh, I've seen their Superstars match. Now, uh, our buddy Meech mentioned they had a match in Madison Square Garden, which sounds way more appealing to me that I found online and I've already dog-eared to watch. Um, And he also mentioned, which is worth calling out, I think it was the first match that a very, very young Shane Douglas got with the World Wrestling Federation in 1986. Wow. Uh, Savage was IC champion, and he just beats the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, fucking Shane was 150 pounds away from 98 ECW world champion. Um, <laughs> there's some good stuff with Honky. The Lawler-Loser-Leaves-Town match, is, I think that was the one that just missed the cut, right, Oracle? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that match is a classic, but I I kind of wanted to do the Ronnie Garvin match. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little bit less known. And then yeah. since we're going up to the wire of him winning the title, it's not the best match they had together, but the DiBiase final at WrestleMania Four is uh, it's a great WrestleMania yeah. moment, as they say. Yeah, him and Ted have some good um, ones. There's the cage match. Is the cage match from the Garden? Yes, it was. It was for the title, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the cage matches in summer of '88 so after he wins the title. We did a watch, um, Matt and I did a watch along with that, and I remember it being like an absolute hoop. Just pa- yeah, again, yeah, pace, yeah. right? We'll get into Ted obviously in a second. Yeah. The way he would bump, my god! All of the Hogan '85 matches are, are really good. Yeah, um, there's one, one. It's at the Spectrum. Is that what someone called out? Yeah, yeah that one's great. I, I remember. Um, Oh, how did I, find, I can't remember how I found it, but it was, uh, like a fucking like ninth generation VHS recording of him doing a promo for wrestling Hogan in the garden in 86 or 85. And the song that plays in the background as it goes to commercial is uh party all the time by Eddie Murphy. And it's just like those fucking wild West days of, you know they didn't get the rights to use that, yeah. but you know someone was just like, "Yeah, fuck it, let's put it on TV." Savage Bruno's rules. I like that. I like that match. Absolutely. No one uncle said that if you did with Rude in Memphis in '84. Yeah. Okay. Months. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought there was, and someone mentioned it was Rude and Bundy tag. That's that's what I was remembering. That must have been early days for Rick, right? Because he, you kind of see him sharpen up as a worker through the '80s. I'm intrigued, but I'm. That was, to, yeah, that would have been before he went through world class. Yeah. Um, and. That's kind of one of the things I was thinking about today, man. Could you imagine if Savage had had a run through world class during like those those hot years, man? Like Savage came in as a heel and worked Kevin Von Erich, dude. Like, oh man. Yeah. 
He may not made it out of there, brother. <laughs> um, has anyone seen this? I was reading about it today. The Bob Kingston match. Yeah, I, I saw a link and I didn't have time to watch it, but I was like, I need to circle back. Yeah, that's that's news to me. Bob Quinkle wrestled everyone, bro. Just no one has like clear footage of it. Mate. It's always grainy, you know? <laughs> There's a flare Bob Quinkle match that's like missing a chunk and it's, it's, it's there. It happened, you know? Tremendous. Tremendous stuff. All right. That's act one. He's first had eventful act, right? It's a whole lot of his career, but yeah. we now move into the stuff that he's most famous for, um, especially with act two. We had to do some mega powers. We just had to, right? So we we kick off the act with the very first SummerSlam, the very first SummerSlam main event. Mega powers, of course, Hogan and Savage opposite. The mega bucks and not Matt and Nick. Uh, is in fact Andre Giant and Ted DiBiase here. What a match, this is, dude. This is so fun. It's the follow-up to the aforementioned Savage title winner at WrestleMania 4. The setup angle, they they get some heat on Savage, they beat him up, and he says, tag team challenging if we have a partner. Along the way is also, you know, Jesse Ventura is going to be the referee, which creates some inc- – and just the idea of them putting this together and Jesse ensuring that he had – I mean, incredible. It doesn't get any better. Um, McMahon. The, the crowd's reaction to everything Jesse is amazing. Before the match, he adjusts the tag ropes for some reason. <laughs> He's got to get his spot in, brother. <laughs> Gorilla is absolutely baffled by why he's doing this. Just no clue. And he's just doing it because that's the game. Um, it's basically like a house show main event, but they're so over. Yeah. It is like, it's so, it just feels so, it's joyous. My goodness, it's fun. Alex, I think you was the one who, who suggested this one. So kick us off with this. What a time. I've always loved this match because it is just like, 88 Savage is a champ, but you know, Hogan's still 1B, uh, in his mind, brother 1A. But and then the big heels, obviously, Andre, dude, we've talked about Andre and done a few matches. This might have been his last like motivated performance. He's, he's, really really yeah. he's in there and he's moving as quick as he can and he's doing what he can. Um, so, and then DiBiase, his hair, good God, man, just majestic, but just on paper, like what a match. It's your first SummerSlam. And as we talked about in our bread episode, SummerSlam to me is like my favorite show of the year. Um, that's kind of just embedded as me in me as a kid. And so to think of the first Madison square garden, you know, it, it, Jesse Ventura is the ref wearing the fucking puffy shirt from Seinfeld and, uh, Hogan comes out, they've got matching trunks, dude, that, when it cuts to the pop and circumstance starts playing and it cuts to that runway in the garden before the curtain and it's Liz Savage and Hogan all wearing the red and yellow. It's just like, God damn pal. It used to be better. Uh, <laughs> Jesse makes sure to get his shine in here in the beginning, just making a spot for himself to change the tag ropes. I did. One of the things I've appreciated as an adult too, is uh, how DiBiase every time he was billed, it was from a different place. You know, mm-hmm. making his summer, re- making his fall residence, his winter <laughs> residence. That's fantastic. Um, talked about Andre moving. It's pretty fascinating, like, how Savage gets the hot tag. He, he has to, he eventually, you know, Hogan gets tagged back in before the finish, but the big thing is to Hogan tagging yeah. Savage. And they came out to Savage's music, so, you know, the gears were turning in Hogan's head. Brother, <laughs> we, we got to correct this course pretty quick, dude. <laughs> 
in case I forget to bring it back up, it is worth calling out how important Randy Savage was to the World Wrestling Federation and Vince and just wrestling in general that during the peak of Hulkamania, they put the belt on Savage for a year. Like, I think that's worth mm-hmm. calling out yeah. and and business didn't really get affected by it. I mean, I understand they still had Hogan on top, but that's that's back in the days where it was perceived that the champion was the main draw. So Savage was that important to the company. Uh, at some point in the match, superstar Billy Graham says all 30,000 people are on their feet. Uh, the garden does not seat 30,000, but it reminded me of that um, fantastic moment from TNA when Kevin Nash is regaling Alex Shelley with the story yes. of the, the night he won the title. And he said 30,000 people and Shelley goes, Kev, the garden doesn't hold 30,000. And Nash goes, well, it did that day. <laughs> he has like a scroff next to him, right? He's like a... <laughs> yeah, it just goes up. Austin, yeah. good kid, decent run. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> DiBiase bumping like a madman, and you know he—he's a guy too that he would be done five years after this, pretty much for all intents and purposes. And you can see kind of why. I mean, that fist drop one just had to fuck his shoulder up doing that all the time. And then two, um, like when he the way he would take an atomic drop that spot Savage loved, which also probably wrecked his ankles and knees, where he would grab a guy and then bounce him yeah. off the rope and DiBiase like flips out of it, almost doing the worm. Um, the, and the pace towards the end of this gets pretty wild too. But the biggest thing is like you called out Joe. I think it's a really fun fundamental match, but the crowd is just insane. The part mm-hmm. where Andre tries to come in the ring for the cutoff Hogan hits him with the clothesline that knocks him down to one knee. And like everyone gets on their feet and starts jumping mm-hmm. up and yeah. down. Just because Andre, I can't move. Uh, So we get to the finish where, and this is an all-time piece of business right here. So the finish is Hogan and Andre, excuse me, Hogan and Savage get knocked to the outside of the ring. And so Elizabeth gets on the apron. Meanwhile, Heenan and uh, Heenan, like Leonard Ellerby, jumps up like, no, get the fuck down. (laughs) And and Virgil's there too. And then everyone's kind of confused what's going on. And so Elizabeth rips her skirt off and has like, you know, a red bathing suit on underneath. Um, very scandalous for the time. But if you watch pro wrestling in 98 or 99, you know, that's kind of child's play. Um, but the best part of all this, and this is something me and my buddies laughed, have laughed so hard about when we rewatch this match, is like Heenan, Virgil, uh, DiBiase and Jesse are all just like gobsmacked, crestfallen. They see like Elizabeth there. Andre is apparently the only man that's seen a woman in her underwear before because Andre starts yelling at DiBiase that he should be counting out Hogan and Savage on the outside of the ring. He's like, hi. And there's this shot of DiBiase looking at her just like, oh. And Andre's like wringing his hands through his hair like, hi, hi. And then uh, talk about wonderful camera work. They get this shot of over Hogan's shoulder on the outside as him and Savage come up like they're out of a foxhole doing the handshake, yes. the Mega Powers handshake, and they get in the ring, and uh, Andre takes a ferocious, like, he gets hit from the back, I think Savage is the axe handle, and just full steam ahead, Andre goes tumbling over the top rope, and then the finish is just like, you couldn't fantasy book a better finish in 1988. Uh, power slam on DiBiase, flying elbow drop, leg drop, 
three count. And of course, uh, Jesse won't count the three. So Savage takes mm-hmm. his hand and rings it down. And it's just, I mean, you know, it, it didn't reinvent the wheel, but just what a fun match. And historically speaking, what, like, what a, an awesome, uh, for such a, his, a show that became such like an embedded part of wrestling history. What a great first main event to have. Yeah. It's a great mm-hmm. snapshot of the time, right? Just these two absurd comic book heroes kicking ass. It's like, it's, it's tremendous. DBRC is so good in this match. Yes. It's like Andre brings it and he gives it everything he's got, but it's still, like, he can only do so much. Yeah. The bumping DBRC. And again, I have to reiterate that, but look at that ring and listen to what sounds it makes <laughs> as Ted's bump. I mean, it's just, it's, it's incredible performance on his part. It's, it's a real fun one. Tremendous stuff. Um, like a, an old school party match almost, right? Like it's just, it's triumphant. Oracle, what did you make of the original SummerSlam main event? Uh, yeah, man. Honestly, it was just, it was Andre that stood out to me. Like uh, mm-hmm. I always forget like the spot where like, he's, um, he could always be pretty vicious with it. But when he like, when he gives the damn corner ass smash to Savage, he's <laughs> crushing Randy's face. That's a shoot. That's an absolute yeah. shoot. Like yeah. he's like completely like killing him. And Savage is like, oh fuck. <laughs> That's the only time he can rest, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it ruled. Um Jesse pops me here. He looks like he looks like a redneck construction worker or something with like <laughs> <laughs> on a, a redneck construction man. worker on like a payday Friday going to the bar. Like that's his Sunday yeah. best that he wears out. <laughs> um, and, the finish is absolutely tremendous. I, I think I think Alex is the one who pointed I I've heard you point this out before. He Andre is the only one who like he's baffled yeah, by the whole thing. <laughs> but um yeah this is this is this is a total blast like it's it's really like they really just do the greatest hits uh another another favorite moment of mine is of course the you know of course the world champ doesn't get the pin you know terry Brother. you know he he made sure he made sure he got the one two three with his finisher yep um of course you know the post-match celebration is is uh is very infamous with the uh Rightly so. Mm-hmm. You got lust in those eyes, Hulk Hogan. Randy was right, bro. He was. Um, yeah. It's, man, they, when they get heat on Hulk, they don't even really do anything. Like, Ted beats him up a little bit in the corner and then just grabs a hold. And, like, they don't even have to sit in it for like a second. The play is just like, come on. <laughs> when you, this is the thing you learn when you do like these greats is when you're over the whole game changes, you know? Like, the next match we'll get to is maybe the greatest embodiment of that of all time, perhaps. Mm. It's like, everything you do is viewed differently once you get over, and they just settle into a hold and people are ready. Give us the hot tag. It's just, it's it's the way it should be. It's wonderful. Um, Bobby? Yes? Had you, I'm intrigued. You, had you seen this before, and regardless, what did you think of it? I had, yes. Uh, it rules, man. You know, you take four guys, and you do big, you know, all-star tag to finish a show, yeah. and uh, it's good stuff. And I was surprised uh, with DiBiase and Andre, too, because I know, obviously, DiBiase doesn't wrestle that much longer. And Andre, you know, by WrestleMania four, he's got nothing left. So that's only yeah. six months away from this. So, like, I didn't expect this out of him. Um, it 
it's a spectacle and uh, i think it's a perfect way to close the first SummerSlam, kind of make it feel like a big deal because really one of the biggest matches they could have ran at that time too yeah i agree it's it's a it's the it's the ultimate all-star tag right mm-hmm. it's like it's basically that year of the promotion that stretch of the promotion in both yeah. the match is huge um it's also i mean as i said we had to get some mega powers in here i think it's too big a part of his career yeah. for better and worse right like Hogan is a huge part of his story. Um, so obviously that is the, the eventual WrestleMania match with the aforementioned lost in one's eyes and so on and so forth. Hmm. Um, WrestleMania six, does he work with dusty? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Works with dusty. Of course, on that night, the old warrior becomes for a while. Anyway, the guy right? Mm. Friends Hulk Hogan. And they, they did the Hogan earthquake few during that period. Yep. yep. The, the torch is passed and then handed back. And <sighs> yeah. we wind up as 27, Randy Savage, the old warrior. For one of the most famous matches of, of this era, but let's be honest, a match that ultimately serves as a bridge to one of the most famous moments in WWE history. Right? I mean, in the match is a classic and beloved. The moment that follows it is iconic. Yeah. To, to me... This is there were there were there were other ones before it, but this is the first sports entertainment masterpiece. Yeah, and yep. when we were putting this lineup together, we would we were kind of wary of Steamboat and Warrior. Those matches have been covered front to back over and over. Mm-hmm. However, after rewatching this, I'm really glad we included this because this may be. I love that phrase used, Oracle, but to even be more specific. This is also the greatest achievement that his particular approach managed, right? Because Savage's approach is infamous. Now, everyone talks about the way he was meticulous with the way he put matches together. Mm-hmm. Brother, you were not calling something this good in the ring of the Elmore. <laughs> not, in, not in 1991, 1987, no, no time in between. This match works because of how Savage's brain worked. And it's like the ultimate embodiment of what, of, of kind of his unique approach to the industry. Um it's like it's worked, but it's an epic. It's an absolute epic. It's it's an it's really to me. It's like the yeah, you know, WrestleMania five and WrestleMania six are kind of there, but like this was the first. This is to me like the template for the sports entertainment masterpiece right. that they sort of, you know, yeah. the WWE sort of storytelling, their sort of version of storytelling, and like how they were able to pull it off. This was, this is the one, this is the match sort of encompasses that whole era for me. Whereas like over the edge 98 and backlash 2000 kind of encompass attitude era. Uh, This, this, this is the match that encompasses that classic late eighties, early nineties era. Especially with the post match, Mm -hmm. right? Especially with the post match, which is again, we'll get to, Um, but let's, let's start with the the match itself. Obviously we've kind of just talked about over there, Oracle myself, Bob, I'll throw it to you first for the, for your for your thoughts on Warrior Randy Savage WrestleMania Seven, yeah, really just a great piece of business. Like you guys talked about a little bit there, um, I agree with Oracle's uh, you know description of the first real sports entertainment uh, thing that they did, and you know easily the best match on the show. Probably should have main evented. I know they had the title main event back then every time. I get that, but like it just nothing that followed this was anything you wanted to watch. Like, this is the highlight of the show. This is a high point emotionally, um, probably in ring, honestly. Like, it's a good match, too. That's the thing. Like, I don't want to get 
too caught up on the ending and the post match stuff because the match is really good. It's one of absolutely is you know two or three good warrior matches. Like that's in and of itself a, a kind of crowning point for Savage. But yeah, just great stuff. And I really I enjoyed Heenan too because you know it's a retirement match and instead of going full you know rooting for the heel, he um, was kind of more in the middle. And I always liked when he did that. That's a good thing. And uh, just kind of making mistakes even more known that, you know, even Heenan's not getting in on what he usually does. And yeah, just great stuff, man. I'm glad we included this because this is just tremendous. And the heat for this, my goodness. At one point, Savage goes up for a crossbody and gets caught. And there are like shrieks and screams. I mean, the audience is living and dying with every momentum shift because as you mentioned, Bob, it's a career ending match, right? I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. The drama they manage here, it's extraordinary. I honestly struggle for a good comparison to it. Um, Alex? Well, it's because I, I mean, it's the greatest match of all time, Joe. That's why you can't find a comparison. It's, it's a hell of a place to start. Uh, expand accordingly, brother. Go for it. He caught me prepping. Uh, well, the whole reason we included this was um, when we talked about this, we said, I said it was cliche, even though it's my favorite match of all time. And then Joe, you said, well, if it's your favorite match, we should do it. So I appreciate that. Because it's... Alex, you, you left out the keep because I got to do Mickey and Alexa, right? It was the <laughs> limb work, baby hand work. <laughs> um, all right. My first note, this is it. The pinnacle of the game. Uh, the, the gear is just fantastic. They, They've made two figures of Warrior wearing this gear and one of Savage. Famously, it was the defining moment Savage that at Comic-Con, he had that video. It was one Mm -hmm. of the last things he recorded uh, like publicly of him showing the figure off. And I remember he goes, it looks just like me. Not now, but then. And it was, uh, like the, the whole notion of mania gear is valid, and that's you could argue it all stems from this match because Savage looks resplendent, and then Warrior has that jacket that's specific to the match. He's got the two knee pads, and he's got the. Um, the trunks that say means much more than this. And I, I watched this match a hundred times when I was a kid, cause we got WrestleMania seven when I was a wee lad and my dad taped it off TV. And so I just had that VHS and just wore that fucker out. And, uh, at the Royal rumble this year at, they don't really have access anymore, but they do the Superstore where they'll mm-hmm. also do like a, a hall of like memorabilia. They had warriors gear from this. And that was the first time I ever saw that. And that was like, that was, tantamount to seeing like um you know stevie ray vaughn's guitar or something for me i was just like holy shit dude uh (laughs) when warrior comes out walking which is uh, you know it starts from there that's where the match starts because the story begins when warrior walks to the ring he saunters out and he doesn't run and um (laughs) he says why isn't he running like that insane fool usually does? <laughs> uh, when he gets on the apron and he starts doing his shit where he's running back and forth and shaking the ropes, Savage runs back and forth with him to maintain eye contact of like, I'm here, motherfucker. This is this is going to happen now. You're not getting out of this. And it's just like, from the, the get-go and 
as you already said, I'll get to Jim in a second, but I, this is obviously Randy Savage's crowning achievement as yeah. a professional wrestler because it's a match that a lot of people hold in the highest regard. And Jim deserves some credit, but it's because Randy put this all together. Um, I did note that dignitaries were in attendance. Uh, Bob's future president, Donald Trump, and my future president, Vladimir the Superfan, were there, both front row. Uh, um, so I'm going to get to that. I'll get to what makes this match so great. But so just to talk about Warrior here, I don't think, I, I don't think, I know Jim Helwig did not like professional wrestling, but he did get it. He understood mm-hmm. what to do, he understood to get in the ring and like, you know, we talked about this in our sting episode where, uh, even like the people who love sting the most talk about like in the early years, it was kind of teaching him of when to go, ah, and do all this shit. And it's like, I, I always felt like warrior did have an, a, an innate ability to understand like, okay, if I do this, the crowd will do this, that, then the other. And I think he, because he is an insane person, was an insane person, and God damn, if he was still around, just the shit we would be dealing with. Like, it, you imagine a social media America One Network Ultimate Warrior. Um, He'd be like Bob. It's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> well, his wife told us he had changed and learned on A and E, so Good. I think we need to believe that. But that sells it then. <laughs> my point is, I think sometimes he wasn't clueless and he wasn't yeah. in the ring. I agree. Uh, but it starts, you know, warrior beats up savage for a bit. Savage beats up warrior for a bit. They go back and forth. And this is something you already mentioned. This, you could make a case that this is the most sustained molten hot crowd. Like the WWF has ever had for a match. And I know backlash 2000 is a good example uh, over the edge 98 there's a few others we can think of but like it's from like the the opening bell the crowd is here where you don't think they can get higher but they just get higher and higher for everything that happens to the point where like um jim helwig does a small package and the crowd's losing their shit yes. because mm-hmm. uh, yeah. sherry's distracting the ref and uh a la andre trying to restore order at SummerSlam 88 vladimir stands up and he's telling the ref like fucking turn around you idiot he's pinning him. uh so i've, I've watched this match a hundred times so i was trying to figure out how to express my notes succinctly um we we get to the closing stretch and savage hits the ultimate warrior with five elbows. He, he doesn't even try to pin him after the first one. He does his finishing move until he literally has no energy left to do it again. And then he pins him, and it's not even like warrior hulking up or like the kick out and the warrior just like barely slumps his shoulder over and gets up. Cause you know, both these guys know the importance of this. Their careers are on the line and Savage does this in, just incredulous reaction where he turns to the ref and me and Oracle, one of our favorite things to joke about in today's wrestling is the NXT face or, you know, whatever the, it's that dumb fucking Seth Rollins bullshit where you do the same move in every match that never beats anyone, but you're shocked that it doesn't beat someone. Randy Savage has spent his entire career doing this finishing move that beat everybody. 
And then he does it five times to this guy and he kicks out. So yes, he is within his rights to seem shocked and look at the referee. Like what the fuck do I have to do? Um, Seth Rollins sucks. And then uh, <laughs> warrior <laughs> begins, you know, he does kind of Hulk up and it takes him a while, but he, he gets back in the flow of it. Uh, <laughs> and he is gassed at this point in the match when he goes to pick up Savage for the military press. <laughs> he told Savage, all right, kid, here we go. And then he picks him up and he's huffing and puffing, drops him. He does a splash. Savage kicks out at 2.99999. And Warrior here. This he is some, his hands. He looks at his hands. <laughs> but then, all right, so here's what happens. He then looks to the, the, the gods and he turns to the heavens. Uh, but the camera cuts to him at the exact right moment where a bead of sweat is running off his face, where it looks like a tear is coming down his eye. And it's one of those one in 10 million shots that it just is so perfect for that match. And it looks like, you know, he doesn't know what to do either, uh, which he doesn't because he's, you know, Mark Coleman at UFC 93 levels of gas and uh, (laughs) very obscure reference for MMA fans out there. Appreciate it. This match is too much for Gorilla Monsoon to keep up with. Like, he's more gassed than Jim Helwig is, like, at this point. He calls the Ultimate Warrior the Warlord. Uh, at one and point Heenan immediately gets him, too. <laughs> and, like, just the narrative of it in general, like, the story they're telling, it's, like, too much for Gorilla to process. He's just... His call <laughs> of Warrior looking up is amazing. <laughs> He's like, is it his destiny? <laughs> is it my time to step aside? And he calls his, uh, his shoulder tackle a spear job at one point. I'm just like, dude, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> so at this point, Savage does get the upper hand. And he goes back to one of the most dastardly. He attempts one of the most dastardly tricks in his playbook. It's how he injured and tried to end Ricky Steamboat's career, where he drapes the Ultimate Warrior's throat over the the guardrail, and he's going to come off the top rope and wipe him out. Warrior, of course, capitalize or counters it, hits him in the gut, throws him in the ring, hits him with the spear job three times, and then um... <sighs> boys, pro wrestling is often awful, but like he drags Savage back in the ring. He lays him on his back. The man has nothing left. Warrior puts his foot on his chest. I'm, I'm going to reenact it right now. He puts his foot on his chest. He points up and he looks to the heavens. One, two, three. And you know what you do at this point? You take your Omega, you take your Okada, and you shove it up your fucking butt because that was the greatest <laughs> match of all time. <laughs> and then, as if it couldn't get better, well, first of all, one of the best things about this is after the pin, Heenan just goes, oh, God, no. And, like, in a way of, I'm not, like, this pro wrestler announcer. It's, like, this guy I love now is out of this profession. that You know, I, I know what he's doing. But the, the way the camera cut, Sherry is such an integral part of this match. And her face is not, like, pro wrestling manager, like, ah, damn you. She just can't believe it. She's just, yeah. like, fuck. And, um... Do we want to talk about the the post match yet, or we want to save that until after everyone's given their thoughts? You're on a roll, go for it. Okay. Well, so Sherry gets in the ring, uh, and this is Heenan's best call in the entire match. Is 
Oh, real pop. No one gunkle just commented that Warrior would win. Tell me when I'm telling lies. We'll get to that in an hour or so. Where were you, Alex? Sorry. All right. So Sherry gets in the ring, and Heenan, in the best, like, and he's been on fire this match, too. In the best call of the whole match, when Sherry's like berating Savage, Heenan goes, Sherry, he did his best. And uh, he, you know, she starts kicking the shit out of him. And we, Elizabeth, who had been at ringside throughout this, jumps the rail, runs to the ring in heels, mind you. She does a fucking <laughs> runs the 100 meter dash in high heels, hits the ring, takes down Sherry, throws her out of the ring. Um, Savage comes to and sees that Elizabeth's there. And then Sherry's on the outside and he puts it together for himself. And for like, it's one of the only like real moments in wrestling that felt like a real reward and like um, something that logically made sense and was acted out in a way that wasn't goofy and pro wrestling. It felt like, you know, a well-written television show. Uh, And also, you know, you can, if you want to factor in all the real life um, elements of it with Elizabeth and Savage, and but then like the story of it is just so fucking great. This guy, he's a bad guy that lost. He tried his hardest. He gave it everything he had, and he still lost fair and square. And then afterwards, you know, his hangers on. It, it became apparent the only reason they were with him was because of his success. And now they didn't have that. You know, fuck you. And then the one person he kicked to the side because his success went to his head came back to save him from those hangers on and he sees her in front of him there and he realizes that's what I should have been doing all along. And this is who I should have been with and then embraces her. And it's absolutely fucking wonderful. It's like, there's a handful of movies that I can watch a hundred times and still get misty eyed every time I watch it. And this is one of those. And then in the dumbest fucking thing that would make no sense to anybody else, uh, except people like us, that always makes me like, Oh, is when she goes to hold the ropes open for him like she always did his entire career but because he's learned his lesson he says no and then holds the ropes open for her and lets her go out of the ring first and then he takes a bow around the ring and the crowd at this point is going nuts for him and like pro wrestling could have ended there you know we, we got brian winning at 30 which is really where things should have ended but it's this is this is as good as it fucking gets man and this is uh my favorite match of all time i'm honored that y'all gave me a platform to come on here and talk about it. And uh, I now will accept my warrior award and see myself out. My goodness. That was, that was quite incredible. Bravo. Bravo. Alex. That was, that was wonderful. Um, Oracle. We kind of talked about why Alex was way. Do you have anything to add? Cause you didn't, I didn't throw it to you, but you know, after Alex is pretty, I think kind of painted the picture. Uh, of the world I here. mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, we, we did a, uh, a, uh, many years ago, 15 now uh did a the uh top 100 wwf matches in the smarts choice poll and uh this was my number one you know wow. uh, and, and it would still be uh you know at worst in the discussion for number one yeah. uh today in terms of uh top fed matches of all time just just you know just jump in the fed uh and then of course when you when you think about the uniqueness of the match and the, you know, whether, what, you know, if 
if you're a WWF fan and and you sort of appreciate what they can do, because this is a match only the WWF can do. Exactly. No yeah. other company in the history of wrestling could ever do that match ever. Mm-hmm. They they don't do the storytelling and the and the 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 sports entertainment whatever you know term you want to use. They don't do it the way that they do. Um, and this was the first. This is the template. This is the first one of its kind. Um, it was the first one that was perfected, perfected in my opinion, at least. Um, mm-hmm. And every once in a while, they 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 do stuff that 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 matches. You know what? Well, you know that doesn't match it, but you know matches at least the the um, mold of it. Um, right. But they this was this was the first sort of true masterpiece. It's it's one of the great uh, magnum opuses uh, of the company. It, it probably is the magnum opus in terms of like overarching like especially the, as you said because the wrestling they strive for too. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's that that's what makes the match so special to me. Um, and with that, there are detractors because if if you don't like the WWF style. There are people who just who can't accept it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to like it. Yeah. Um, but for people like Alex and myself, um, yeah, this is like this is like the uh, pinnacle of wrestling in terms of how you can achieve it when you sort of mix the in ring with the sort of pageantry and and uh, yeah. and uh, character studies that that WWE is able to master sometimes. It's one of those things, too, of like, it's been 30 years since 32 years since that. Mm -hmm. And to have lived through all of the attempts they've tried at getting back something like that, that just haven't worked or haven't seemed like anywhere near as like natural or genuine. It's it's for that match to still because, again, what you're saying, Oracle, one, it's a WF style. And two, just the way mm-hmm. wrestling's evolved in general, like there's been right. so many more matches that are, you know, more technically sound or whatnot. But like, right. it's just, there has to be, it has to be said that there's something special about the fact that this match is older than most people well, that watch wrestling and, now. And it's still as special as it is. Yeah. And and another thing about this match is, and, and I threw out those two attitude matches, which I think are good comparisons, but mm-hmm. those, you know, over the Edge '98 and Backlash '2000, it really only encapsulated like a six-month to a year period for each. This this is like a this is like four to six years, yeah, of like conclusion, you know. And um, it's also like to Savage's credit because it's you know he always was he perceived it, and I think a lot of people did that he was living in the shadow of Hulk Hogan, and Hogan could have never done anything like this. No. Yep. He wasn't. He didn't have that human. As ridiculous as Savage was, he always felt human on some level. You the, know, the, the only match that really that really is close to this one in terms of like, and 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 it's only and it's and it's hurt by the ending is Rock Austin from seventeen, because that yeah. one really does encapsulate the entire Attitude Era and then yeah. ends there. Yeah. You know, like with Austin yeah. like pulling out the million dollar dream and then like the callbacks and all that stuff. Yeah, like that 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 one's that one's a good. That one's a good sort of. That's about the closest, I think, in terms mm-hmm. of like, you know, this is one of the all-time yeah. great, great matches. But uh, yeah, this is. I, I, I'm with Alex. I still think this is this is pretty untouchable in terms of, uh, you know, 
in terms of what the WWF can do. And I mean that in a positive way because yeah. no one, no one else can, can do it when they, when they do it at their best. Yeah. And uh, Philadelphia, when Roman loses to Cody, Heyman's going to jump in the ring and start kicking him. And then John Moxley in high heels is going to jump the rail and run down to the ring and <laughs> save him. <laughs> Tremendous. It's also like peak savage. They would go from being <clears throat> this, this, over the top, dastardly heel to being beloved again, like that. You know, that's like something unbelievable. Right? You know, because he was so Man. good at what he did. You look at this setting and how, like, the spectacle, the pomp and circumstance. There's never been a wrestler more suited to the setting as he was here. He just is like built to make this show his own. You know, it's. I don't know, fellas. I mean, I love this match, but talking about it, it's one of those ones you actually appreciate more as you kind of piece it together. You know, it's. This is actually as about as powerful as as wrestling gets. I think honestly, it's a wrestling moment that will live forever. It's it's mm-hmm. incredible, wonderful stuff. All right, I think that puts a bow on WrestleMania seven. What a time! All right, um, other matches called out from Act Two. Uh, I like his stuff. I mean, the Mania match I think is really good with Flair. I like the other title change match. Uh, I don't think they ever had the masterpiece they could have had. But Mania is a damn good time. Um, we have to mention it, Alex. I remember you, you sent it to Bob. Ten root. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Very good. When we when we finished the lineup, it was like, fuck, I forgot about that. But at the same time, like the the Macho King era, the, the yeah. we we made the right call. But yeah, the if you haven't I went through for the it's the only match I've ever done this for and read the cage match reviews of it. And like I saw a couple of them complaining that he just like hit the power bomb once and that was the finish. And it was like, that's the fucking point. Like he worked for the power bomb, the entire match for those of y'all who haven't seen um, the match we're referring to. It's macho King, Randy Savage with Sherry Martell versus Genichi hero Tenru from wrestle summit, 1990, which was the co-promoted show with the WWF, all Japan and new Japan, um, which is just, if you read that card, brother, that's a it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And Savage and Tenru is absolutely easily the standout from that. And it's, um, it, it, honestly, you might say it's too rugged to be what we consider a masterpiece, but like the, the crowd, you know, you talk about a high, when Tenru starts firing up on Savage, those people in the Tokyo Dome, like it's just unbelievable. And also one of my favorite parts about that, you just, that crowd had never seen anything like Sherry with her just like screaming yeah. at ringside and walking around and whatnot. And but yeah, it that's should the... be reiterated how great Sherry Martel was in, in oh. all of, in the whole thing, but in that yeah. run, especially oh, yeah. God, man, incredible. Dude, that's there's, like... a, uh, there's, there's a, like a cage match with Piper maybe or something yeah. where Sherry shows the goods in that one too. Um, and, and... <laughs> <laughs> No, but <laughs> in all seriousness, uh, you know, uh, Sherry was like so awesome, great, just yeah. as, as, a, as a man. They were but. so good together. Like the Macho King promos with her, uh, it's so hard to say your favorite Macho Man promo, but I one like I would always mention at the top of the list is the No Holds Barred Cage match where it's Savage, Sherry, and Zeus cutting the promo in front yes. of the big blue cage. cage. You don't know Hulk Hogan. Um, but Bob, you, you liked the 10 room match. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It's awesome. Um, 
he is in the Rumble 92 match. Anytime someone who's in that, you need to mention that. So I assume at this point we're just closing out the rest of the WWF run. Yes, sir. Yeah. He, he eliminates himself in it. <laughs> he yeah. does, yeah. In true psychotic, <laughs> savage fashion. Um, and then the next year he tries to pin Yoko and, the, and gets eliminated. Yes. Yeah. He didn't learn his lesson. Yeah. <laughs> um, the stuff with Jake is fun. I mean, Jake Roberts never had an all-time classic match, but like the the yeah, feud they had was really incredible. good. Yeah. Um, so, in the build to WrestleMania 10, Randy Savage wrestled Yokozuna on Monday Night Raw for in the WWF mm-hmm. Championship match, and Crush ended up costing him the title. That match, that might be Yokozuna's best match. It's like uh, he had a match with Brett on Raw that was really good too, but. That match is fucking fantastic, and it led to um, probably my favorite Savage promo, where he does he cut he like drops the act, and he's talking to Vince McMahon about his match with Crush at WrestleMania, and he talks about you know going through his divorce and getting his dignity back. It's like this five minute promo where he's like he's just wearing like a leather jacket and a black bandana, and it's absolutely tremendous. Uh, and the match with Crush is pretty good. The everyone just kind of remembers the. The finish kind of got messed up, yeah. but mm-hmm. that's one of those great pro wrestling moments that like only the garden could produce. And it's, you know, it was Randy Savage's last WrestleMania, WrestleMania 10. And when mm-hmm. pomp and circumstance hits, like he doesn't get like this big, you know, Austin 99 pop, but like everyone just comes to their feet and applauds for him. Cause it's fucking Randy Savage. And it's, it's kind of a, a heartwarming moment in an industry full of very few. Um, there is, it's okay, but it, it's worth watching just because it's insane on paper. It's Bret Hart and Randy Savage against Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. There's a tag match from, right. I think, an international tour they did. And um, I think he wrestled uh, Shawn a few times. They had a there. singles, yeah. yeah. Singles match, yeah. And then they the always, close... They, Savage always wanted to work at Mania, right? But it, they, they had a couple matches along the way, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, according to Lanny, the thing was that he wanted to work up to a Mania match with Sean, but Vince wanted him to be like, you know, the player that retired and is now behind the booth. And it's worth calling out, too, if you've never seen it. Uh, I, this is in no way to make Vince McMahon seem celebrated or like in a sensitive light or anything, but it's one of the more fascinating things you'll see when he says his goodbye to Randy Savage on air. Uh, yeah. It's. Mm-hmm. It's one of the only times he's come across as a real human being and showed like real emotion. And we'll never know because Randy's gone and Vince Vince is like Hogan to where he's just like, he's made up so much shit in his head. He doesn't know what's real anymore, but there, there really, there really seems to be something to Randy leaving that like affected Vince. Cause you know, people always said that he was never open to bringing him back and he just, it seemed like it really hurt him. And that, that goodbye he said on Raw to him was one of the only times Vince really took the high ground. And super unique. Yeah. yeah, super unique. Absolutely. Um, I like this call. It's not a great match, but it's fun. Hennig's return to the ring alongside oh, yeah. Savage. It's yeah. honestly more worth watching just for the, the angle they do to get there is really oh, quite yeah, incredible. Yeah, because they're in a total corner with that deal. Um, that works. That comes together pretty well. So... Is there any others come on, fellas, that we'd like to call out for the rest of these dirty beer front? Any fellas come on? Is that is that about all? I think we've got it covered. Yeah, I think his right. commentary at WrestleMania Nine is absolutely unhinged. <laughs> that tracks. Yeah. Um, okay. 
it's time to head to where the big boys play. Double World Championship Wrestling. Act free. Um, WCW, Randy Savage brings a range of memories. Some good, some bad, as I mentioned earlier. It does provide many, uh, much material for our friends at Mattel who have got some incredible mileage out of WCW Savage. <laughs> Always pops me, man. Like how popular his figures from this time are just fascinates me because I just don't, it, it's just interesting, you know, the way those things work. Um, but the first match of this act is like, is I always have loved this match, but it's one of those ones, every time I watch it, it pops me more. June 1995, the Great American Bash. Randy Savage and Ric Flair, of course. <laughs> Bobby. Bobby. Everyone's got physical problems. Bobby. So, thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. So, Incredible. Um, Randy had gotten Rick out of his Halloween Havoc 94 retirement, which was very funny in itself, for the tag match at Slam Rose Rick and Vader versus Randy and Hogan. Um, which is an insane match to just say out loud. That was a slavery <laughs> match. And in the post-match, <laughs> Angelo, poor, he gets beaten up by Rick and Arn is in on the action. I always forget Arn's around at that point with Flair uh, because, of course, we're headed to the kind of inner, inner conflict with those two and then reforming the horseman. But nonetheless, he beats up Angelo. They do a deal in the US tournament that doesn't make any sense, and I forgot how dumb it was where he like doesn't really get Alex Wright disqualified, but they pretend he does so that he can face Flair. And then they like brawl out the building, which does rule. And the point of all this is it, it culminates with the main event of the Great American Bash. And it is the match that I believe to be the last truly great Flair WCW match for me personally. Not everyone deems to be great. I always have. I love this match. It's my favorite Savage WCW match. It just feels like these two fellas decided the Hulkster's not in town. We are rocking this place tonight. And they're neither of them are what they were. But man, the effort they put into this match. I think this is just... I think it's really endearing just how hard they work here. Really packs a punch for my money. I'm a big fan of it. I'm probably the higher man, but I'm intrigued, Bobby. Flair and Savage, Great American Bash 95. What do you think? Yeah, I thought it ruled. Um, I was really glad that it got included just because, you know, their their WrestleMania match is awesome. This one doesn't quite get there, but like right. it's for what it is, like it's incredible. I think the match at uh, Bash at the Beach is also very good. The the lifeguard match or whatever. Lifeguard, yeah. Um that ruled too. Like they just they worked well together. I'm glad we got it a couple more times. And uh yeah, I, I loved it, man. I thought it was a great time. I am one of my true weaknesses with grabs, this particular look, this is what I was referencing earlier. Brother, that canvas, that logo, colorful ring attire. God, it couldn't be any better. What a time. Flair's got the hilarious Macaulay Culkin haircut going. <laughs> it used to be better, fellas. Oracle, we text a little bit about this. Mm-hmm. It's a damn good time, isn't it? Seriously, what a, what a oh, fun! Oh yeah, they beat the piss out of each other, man. Yeah. And like you know, I mean, they, they, uh, they, you know, uh, it, saying that allows me to bring up that Savage always worked the angle that 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 was in the match. Like he always worked his character and the motivations were represented within his actions in yep. the match. He might be the best ever at that, actually. Mm-hmm. Like you believe what he was doing, based off of. 
you know, you know, the reason he got the reactions he did is because he understood his character and understood what his character would do in the situations that 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 the Macho Man was in. Uh, in, in this case, his dad got his ass beat by Ric Flair and <laughs> got ringside with him, and God, Angelo looks so much like Lanny, more so like Lanny than Randy. It's, it's crazy. It's like, yeah. <laughs> he's just so funny here and every every moment of him is Facial funny expressions. here <laughs> um his selling of flair's like elbow to the face yeah. <laughs> and the, but they they're just beating the shit out of each other flair's bumping wild they're brawling all over ringside angelo's getting involved they do the you know the big figure four spot mid-match um the finish is awesome because they uh yes absolutely yep um like angelo mm. takes this hilarious cell and then like randy's checking on him and flair gets a hold of the cane of, of, of angelo's cane and the way he swings and hits randy in the face He's with it so cool the yeah. camera angle was great because it was in the you know it was in the corner of the other ring or, or you know or the uh the corner of the uh of like the you know the the cameraman over you know over there mm-hmm. at the turnbuckle you know, kind of looking up, so so you you can you know you can just it's from like Flair's perspective, and he like just like does this perfect swing and like hits. It just looks awesome. Um, yep. Like the hook of the cane hits Randy right in the face, and um, obviously you know very uh, very controversial finish, and the uh, the feud would continue for for a lot longer. Uh, yes, it would. You know, uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> they did the flare arm deal, and then uh, you know Sting got involved, and the, you know Hogan, you know of course got involved more, and Luger came in, and all that other stuff. But um, this was you know the summer '95 was the peak of their feud in WCW, and uh, they had some fun matches in in in, in uh, early '96 on Nitro. But these these yep. were the best ones, and and this one uh, I agree with Joe is the best one, just because it's there's. The hatred's there. The physicality's there. Mm-hmm. They do as much as they can in the setting and in the time frame that they're in, which is nineteen ninety-five WCW. Which you know, Dustin Rhodes gets fired for blading. So like, yeah. Of course, at the end of the year, Rick just said fuck it, and you know, went close to <laughs> that's coast a classic. Bischoff, you know, telling the cameras to pan out at Starcade because. You know, I was trying to remember which one that was. We were talking about that in the group chat. That's where he just like fucking rips his forehead. Yeah, it's the, open. Yeah. And it's classic because it's Starcade and their match is not really, it doesn't really have any heat. And the people have seen yeah. a lot, they've seen both of them. Red. And so they're just kind of having a match. And like Flair just comes up just red. Like he just, at some point, he's just drenched in blood. And it doesn't and really do like, anything. It's just awesome. There's only like two minutes left in the match, right? When he does yes. that. <laughs> and then he wins. But anyway. <laughs> Wonderful or, stuff. Or, no, I, I think is is Bischoff on commentary, or is it, or is or is it Tony? I think Bischoff is doing the hosting thing. Remember, he yeah. would they would have like, "Welcome to the show." We send you to our broadcast team. I think he was maybe doing that for Starcade. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Um, mm-hmm. So he's there when Flair, because Flair's supposed to do a promo, right? I think yeah. is the deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with on the finish. I think it's a classic finish. Doesn't get brought up enough. I agree. Is is. It feels like Flair's last stand is like an actual main eventer because in the Nitro era, the fans always root him back to relevance. But like they always put that fire out. The Nitro and... He's not treated as like a top star. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, and, and and I love Nitro Era Flair up until up until sure, the yeah. turn. 
you know, in, mm, in, yes. in, 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 uh, yeah. in uh, 99. Right. But, he's always fun. It's just he's not yeah. – he's presented differently. Um, and as I said, Hogan's not there, so I can have some real fun here. <laughs> Alex. Brother. What, what did you make of this one, mate? My sister's watching the show, and she just texted me. I stepped away for a moment, and now there's a Burt Reynolds hat involved. <laughs> <laughs> The late night grin story. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, the show is at legendary shithole, the Hair Arena in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, I remember my dad when we would watch wrestling when I was a kid. It's like I used to go to concerts there in the seventies, and it was a dump then. And uh, the the times I've had extended conversations with. Um, professional wrestler extraordinaire chris hero it's been a lot of like talking about the hair arena because he i spent a lot of my time in my childhood around the dayton ohio area and it's obviously where he's from so like um he played basketball and so he would play like the the schools where like my cousin was a cheerleader and you know my cousin played athletics and whatnot and we would talk about the hair arena because it was knocked down uh back in 2019 by a tornado that hit the area um and that's a pretty famous wrestling venue that's where heat wave 98 and uh heat wave 99 were and but um that was kind of always the the rib with a lot of the arenas in ohio i just remember my dad being like because my dad grew up there and he would go to concerts and shit he's like man that place was trash 20 years ago i can't imagine what it is now um one of the things we talk about about randy savage being a unique uh individual and kind of a one of kind human being is um, he really, everywhere he went, he, he, he stayed loyal to his family. And that's not something you can say about most people in professional wrestling. And he made sure that Lanny got paychecks. And uh, in this case, his old man got paychecks and whatnot. And it's, and you know, none of us obviously knew him, but that's an admirable quality to some extent is someone who actually, stayed loyal to their family in an industry where uh, their fathers that ran off four of their own sons to the grave and were just like, well, time to do another show. Uh, so familiar with that story. Interesting. Oh, well, you're going to be here in a few weeks when the feature length <laughs> film comes up. Uh, <laughs> Tony Schiavone goes, Angelo Papos is, he goes, he's 70 years old. And Heenan goes, yeah. And that's just on one side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> So off the bat, this is, um, it's weird. Cause it's kind of like a sprint, but also just way more of a brawl than most flare matches are. And, but somewhere in the early going, Savage just thinks he's in the Budokan and takes Flair's head off with a clothesline, dude. There's two points in this match where he hits vicious clotheslines. And the first one's one of those. It's like a, a fucking jaw cracker. You know, they're mixing in the classics and doing the back and forth blows, but it really there's that really interesting um, like constant through the match of every time flair hits one of his chops, Savage just fires up and punches him back. And it's, it's a, it's a bit dirtier than both of their matches typically are. And, you know, you think about their two styles and when you mix them, like you guys would know what I mean, but like flares like has the most clean style ever of just like, this is how, we do this part and then we move to this and then, ah, God. And, you know, and so, and then Savage, <laughs> Savage, on, <laughs> Savage on top of that also wrestles that way. So to see them blend them in this way that it's, 
more of like um uh you know when we did that stan hansen episode something you kind of more expect from that just kind of like grabbing hair it's and frenzy. Like yeah. going at it on the outside uh flair he doesn't get the the toss but he does come off the top rope and savage intercepts him with a lariato just like just goes to take his head off it's fantastic uh, where did Savage get busted? I couldn't figure that out. I, so I, when I was rewatching it, because I was trying to figure this out also, it seemed like maybe a part of Flair caught him when he, you know, when he goes up for that deal off the, uh, he goes for like a double axe or something off the top and he misses. Because if you look before that, he's not bleeding and afterwards he is, but it doesn't like Flair touches him. Maybe he's like shin caught him as he moved. Something happened because it was, a strange cut you had too, right? It was like the cheek almost. He had he had blood. It was weird. And that's that's the like honestly, that's the best for complete lunatics like us that are able to be like, oh, that's where it happened. When you watch something and like someone comes up with blood and you're like, I don't know where that happened. <laughs> like you know, it's real fight type shit. Um I appreciate he has him finished, but he wants to hurt him. I, I always like the the good guy that gets too full of hubris and you know the bad guy has a bit more chicanery and uh some other tricks in the bag uh, another all caps fuck note in this one of savage trying to do his dive to the outside and then just like rams himself chest and throat first into the guardrail and that kind of goes into what i had mentioned earlier this would have been one of the last like randy savage insane performances before he he put that weight belt and those black and white trunks on. It was like, all right, brother, keeping it grounded from this point going forward. Um, and then, the yeah, the whole thing with Angelo Poffo getting elbowed in the face and then the cane shot. and Heenan's play-by-play, the replay. Uh, Bob, did you catch when he said uh, he hit the green monster with this one? <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> uh, so... I'm sure I've seen this match before, but I had no recollection of it. And it was, it was a treat just in the sense of what I said. It's a, it's a flair. It's a Ric Flair versus Randy Savage match. that's wrestled with like this, uh, intensity and just, um, like this dire attitude. And that's it's yeah. similar. Even the WrestleMania eight matches, like, you know, Savage comes out trying to kill him, but flair still just does flair stuff in that match. Absolutely. Oh God. And that shit. And then with this one though, it's just like he Flair never has a chance to get into his groove. It's just constant like fuck you and uh it's good stuff. Very good stuff. Well Savage is not like a top tier Flair opponent necessarily. He is one of the best guys. One of my favorite things when Flair wrestles guys is when they do like when they get mad at his chops, like visually, because their face is just, Savage is one of the best in that way, right? Yeah. Like you mentioned Alex, those punches he throws. Every time Flair chops him, you see it in Savage's face, like you piece of shit. Funk was <laughs> maybe the best in that regard. Um, so yeah, I, I, do, I do love their dynamic, even though they never had like the ultimate version, it feels like, of their match. They had a lot of really good matches, though. Absolutely. Um, tremendous. I love it. All right. Real quick, did any of y'all, I, I just, I left it on and it went into the Great American Bash 96. Did that happen to any of y'all? Okay, no, well, no. go back yeah. and watch the opening of Great American Bash 96. It is shot exactly like, do you remember those nine, those late 95, early 96 ECW promo reels? where the camera would be doing this and then it would cut from one guy to the next guy, like right. cutting the promo. 
it is exactly that, but it's with like Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. And then it cuts to Randy Savage with Mongo and Kevin green. And then it cuts to the giant and then it cuts to Lex Luger. It, but it's that same like shit of the camera going in and out. It only, you know, it's not the Pulp Fiction song playing. It's, you know, whatever music they had. I, it was one of those things I didn't get, get to the remote quick enough. And then when it started, I was like, what in the hell is this? So that's a, uh, Little extracurricular activity for y'all. God bless Eric Bischoff. Okay. <laughs> Our final match, June 1997. The Great American Bash once again. Um, PWI's feud of the year for 97, right? DDP and and, and Savage here. Um, PWI, of course, to be clear, is a very illustrious award. FTR Legit. recently won Tag Team of the Year. It's very serious <laughs> business, so. Um, we of course are in the the Macho Madness era here, which is again Mattel have had some fun with, um, absolutely. And uh, Pam had so some Macho Madness gear too. They they wrestled with Spring Stampede, right? Was the mm. first match I think. Yeah, that's an ODQ this match. Is, yeah, and this is the they second one. I'm pretty sure three total, right? And the last ones at Havoc, right? I yeah. think mm-hmm. this is the second one. I think this is the most kind of fondly remembered one it's the main event once again hogan's you know, savage is going to close a, a great american best show here they do the jump start deal and that really sets the tone and they very seldom settle from there i mean it's an insane yeah. match there's about 18 ref bumps i mean it's well, wild and woolly brother did, did you catch this was a lights out match they, they i did yeah oh yeah they cut the lights before the match and like it was mm-hmm. a young Anthony Kahn was watching somewhere. Wondering off rash. Um, <laughs> so this announced team is one of the greatest things ever done to any television production of all time. Not in that they're like good, but like Dusty just riffing on pipe, just, to, just talking graps. He doesn't really add anything like insightful. He's Hit him with a barbecue. Hit him with a barbecue. It's so funny. And then you have <laughs> Heenan and Shivani. He's just like navigating it. The fact that Shivani is less, he's not as strong a personality as like a JR. Is like, it makes it better, you know, because he's just trying to get through the show almost. It's brilliant. I love it. Um, yeah, this is an insane match. This is a wild match. Bob, I think you were the one who kind of circled this one, right? Like yeah. some DDP. So, so what did you think on revisiting it, mate? Yeah, it was great. Um, WCW really excelled with these, like, you know, Falls Count Anywhere plunder type of matches. You know, uh, Harlem Heat and the Nasty Boys have a good one in 1995. Obviously, Ben Juan Sullivan have a good one in 1996. That kind of changed changed everything. Um, And, yeah, it just – this one was the same. Like, they they did a lot of kind of going all over. Um, The little VIP area with the barbecue and the table and stuff is hilarious. Um, it's absolutely incredible. Um, DDP getting a crutch and waiting for Savage to come back through the door and just jamming it into him was good stuff. Um, you know, yeah, the ref bumps kind of are what they are. There's too much interference. It's WCW 1997, but like overall, just hell of a time, man. Dude, so he he pole drives Mickey J, right? Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And he beats up. I can't read the other referees he kills. But he guts like, hey, yeah. He's awesome. got that Dunlap going on. And just but, he takes a hell of a pile driver, though, man. He does. Those kids on NXT wouldn't know how to do that shit. I tell you that. The funniest part is the first time he goes after Kimberly and Nick Patrick stops him, and Shivani goes, 
Nick did the right thing. He didn't confront him physically. <laughs> he spoke him down. He, he talked to him. And I thought, that's such a facet because that suggests that he's, he thinks Mickey J is to blame for what happened to him. He's like blaming <laughs> the other referees. He's like, yeah, Nick Patrick, he figured it out. You know, just talk him down. <laughs> he comes Nick Patrick. No, yeah, Nick the blamer, Tony <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Patrick Ingers beat up by like Scott Hall, I think. So <clears throat> it's a, it's a wild match. Um, Oracle, this is a good time, isn't this fun? Oh, it's just totally insane. They fall all over the place, and it's hate filled. Crowd's <laughs> super into it. You know, it's the peak of this feud, and and, and uh, again, <laughs> when they go to the picnic table, those picnic table bumps were awesome. The part where oh, yeah. Randy got body slammed to the picnic table just. <laughs> Look awesome. Um, of course, Dusty is like, Dusty's like, hit him with a barbecue, hit him with a barbecue. <laughs> like over there, and of course, they dump it out, and Tony has to go, well, thank goodness, thank goodness, the, uh, thank goodness there's there's no flame. Or so, he says something. Like he he said, uh, I'm just glad they didn't actually light the charcoal. <laughs> yeah, <that's what> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is, this is a total treat. Um, I, this is another example um, of Savage. Like, so Macho Madness was like, his whole character was that he was insane. Like, nobody was safe. He just beat the shit out of anybody. Ref, man, woman, wherever, didn't matter. So, like, even though it's silly, within the context of the match, it's fine when he's just beating up all the refs. Yeah. It fucking rules. My favorite, like I said, is when he, he pile drives the shit out of Mickey J. And Mickey J's like selling, but like his shirt's unbuttoned. So like it's like, you know, his fucking like dad guts hanging out the whole time and like Savage keeps kicking him out of the way. And he's trying to get out of the shot. He's like rolling around trying to get out of the shot, but he can't. They're just brawling all like wildly. Um but uh yeah, of course, uh, Scott all comes in and this this starts the uh, DDP sort of because in the fall, in the late summer and fall, they transition from, they kind of go into a sort of, Scott Hall gets involved in this, in this feud um, when, you know, when he helps Savage here. And, and uh, this, of course, Kurt Henning gets involved and uh, sets up. And then Savage and DDP, their, their final feud ender uh, after like the Hall stuff, kind of gets sorted out in the fall uh, is, is the uh, Las Vegas uh, death match yeah. Halloween Havoc, mm -hmm. which is the last match of Randy Savage's career where he's like still Randy Savage. Yeah. I mean, like he has, he has a couple of hidden gems in 98, but like, not, like nothing special, but you know, if you, uh, I would call maybe like fun matches in 98, but then he jumps off the top of a cage. That's a wrap. Yeah. And it was over. You know, his knee blew the fuck out. Oh, of that was that night? Yeah. yeah. Why he did that? I don't know. <laughs> For that like fucking match. JR always talks about 20 feet. That shit was 20 feet. Yeah, and for yeah, that, that match, insane. too. Good God almighty. Hey, that's the one where he just tries to do, like, an axe handle, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Blows his fucking knee out. It's the cage that's not... It's like a cell without a roof, basically. It's, mm -hmm. like, round the... It's very strange. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think much thought was put into it, to be honest. I'm going to go on a limb. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. But nonetheless. Yeah. Yes. I, remember, I remember one of the, and we'll get to it, I remember mm -hmm. maybe like one or two of the Luger matches being fun in 98, but other than that, he was he was done. 
after that. Yeah. This is his last, like, significant great. feat. This is his his... last great match. Probably. Yeah. And just broadly, like, the feud with DDP is his last kind of thing. Uh, of although, although I will say this, uh, I, I've heard um, variations of this, including my uh, my brother who said that if you put all three of their matches together from Spring Stampede and this match, the Great American Bash, and the Halloween Havoc match, it's like an all-time great match. I believe you know, it. It sounds like a party. It's like a top five WWE match of all time. Yeah. If you put like all the best parts from all three of those matches yeah. together. Yeah, that's the thing. When I was like making my notes and I did the thing about Flair's last great WCW match, it's to me it's the best savage WCW match because while this feud is fondly remembered, I don't think any of the individual matches are better. So that, mm-hmm. that makes sense, I think. Um, but this is probably the closest thing they get as a, as a single match. Um, yeah. Alex, what did you what did you make of our final match of the evening? Yeah, I remember this kind of playing out um, on TV. I, I, I guess that's my way of saying it. I remember watching this, but it's fascinating to go back and watch this because when Savage got to WCW, he did work with guys on Nitro, like younger guys and whatnot. But there were no big programs he did, and especially nothing you saw that gave you the impression of like, like that Warrior match or like that Brett match of like wanting to work with these guys to like you know show what they could do, so to speak. And for whatever reason, he liked DDP, man. And DDP was you know 47 here, and so he was right on the the cusp of breaking out. And so, <laughs> and story goes, he just he liked him and he wanted to put him over, and they really for late stage savage and just ddp in general just had phenomenal chemistry and obviously a lot of that could be attributed to they both had the same philosophy of how to lay out matches and whatnot but uh yeah this is um it's great my notes here uh peak liz this was mom jeans era liz and (laughs) with being as respectful as possible this is like the hottest liz ever was was this era uh bruce buffer again this is the gift that keeps on giving is when we visit wcw matches that bruce buffer is the announcer for yes he says um when <laughs> ddp is coming out he goes to be accompanied by and then kimberly comes out he goes excuse me preceded by <laughs> she's graced the pages of playboy uh ddp does like a full just 100% bag of shit plancha to start the match where he just undoubtedly knocked the wind out of both him and Savage with that. <laughs> the uh, crowd brawling. All right. So we talked about Dusty. Let's just, let's get to the, the heart of the matter here. <laughs> There's the part where Savage has the, the classic bag of powder, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Liz throws it to him and Shivani's like, Oh, she gave him something. I don't know if it's sugar or salt or baking powder. And Dusty goes, la, could be la. <laughs> <laughs> As if like she threw him a bag of lie to throw in the man's eyes. <laughs> uh, talking about the Mickey Jade driver, the crowd, man. Dude, DDP, because wrestling history is written so oddly, DDP was over as a motherfucker, man. Massive people forget, yeah. people, people forget, like, just, they are so hot for him. He has, like, a comeback in this match. <laughs> 
DDP has a comeback in this match that consists of like three punches before he's cut off, but the place just comes up when he starts working like his offense. It's insane. Uh, so the crowd, while the crowd is hot for DDP, Dusty is hot for the idea of food. Because when they get to the barbecue stand, he starts talking about ribs and like, they got some ribs out there. Give me so some of them ribs. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, just in case you ever want to question what a super worker Dallas Page was, uh, does he or does he not bust out a Styles Clash in this match? Oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then, yeah, of course, it's just classic NWO finish where someone runs in and then someone gets a weapon and hits them. And um, even though Savage won, I thought this match made Paige look great because he was injured going yeah, in and he still just battled through all of it and kicked this dude's ass. And Savage had to resort to the 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 most devastating weapon in all of professional wrestling, the title belt to, to win the match. So mm-hmm. oh, devastating How- weapons, uh, a drunk Scott Hall, almost dropping DDP on a mm, razor. Head. Dude, that yeah, looked the- so painful. <clears throat> like he couldn't get him up. Probably. It was brutal. He, he was like, Hey, yo, work with me here, kid. You saw like Scott's face. Like, Oh, I'm gonna have to, f- this is not going the way, you know, you could see him adjust to it. And he just kind of yanked him. It was, yeah, it didn't look fun. They got to the back and he told them that's how we do it in Japan. <laughs> and on that note, any other matches from WCW or this last leg at least of, of Randy's career that we'd like to call out before we, we put a bow on things as Bob takes his hat off in sort of ceremonial fashion? <laughs> so, Joe, you seem down on it. You're not a fan of the Slamboree 98 match with Brett? I'm not. I struggle with all the Brit WCW stuff. There's a couple. I mean, there's a couple of matches we don't even mention that are obviously tremendous. I just can't get into Brit and WCW. It doesn't feel yeah. right. That's true. It was one of those though. That match, and then I think it was uncensored with Henning, like where Brett was like, "Well, fuck it. I'm just going to give the guys I like good matches." Like he was like, yeah. "I'll give them effort." And, but uh, yeah, by that point, obviously Savage was a spent force. Um, it's nothing will ever top the moment of Hogan turning heel, but the, that bash at the beach 96 matches is, is a fun match. And mm-hmm. obviously he's part of that. He had some good matches with a the giant. They had, I remember a specifically good nitro match and then mm-hmm. they had a pay-per-view match. He was from what I remember, like he was the first guy to show the actual potential that he had versus just Hogan being like, Oh, that dude's big. Yeah. And, Paul often, like, Dana kind of gives him credit for that, too. He said he helped him an awful lot, so it was that absolutely was the, true um, to that. There's a great video. I'm pretty sure there's a video of it, of, like, every single Randy Savage elbow from his 1999. Uh, is that where he just, run, like, is absolutely fucking murdering people? Because yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's so weird the bills. He's, yeah. like, fucking just crushing dudes. Dude, when he came back with... Um, uh, gorgeous George, that mesh top, he just was like immobily jacked. Like he was just yeah. in his, you know, for those who have watched The Office, you know, Creed with the copy toner, yeah. dyeing his hair and like <laughs> coloring it in with the Sharpie. That's what he was doing. Um, Joe already mentioned it. It's fine, but it's just more on paper how insane the matches of Vader and Ric Flair versus Hogan yes. and Randy Savage. And <laughs> That's also the only time Vader and Savage ever shared a ring. Um, similarly, there's two matches that aren't 
hidden gems or blow away classics, but they're just so fascinating that they happened. He wrestled Liger in Japan in 95. And then he wrestled Ultimo Dragon on WCW Worldwide in 1998. And I don't like at that point, Savage is one of the guys calling the shots, right? So what is the conversation with him? Or does he come to someone like, want to work that dragon kid? Give, give us five good minutes on Worldwide. <laughs> I, have, you know, I have no idea. Because there are different accounts as to how he was in that regard. You know, like, there's... Because often it's talked about how he was... I mean, obviously he was meticulous with his matches, but I do think there's, you know, been some accounts of him in WCW by that point, kind of just being like, well... Yeah. Who, where, when, you know? <laughs> so, I have no idea. It's fascinating. There was that promo he cut in WCW where he called Bret Hart a mark. He's like... You're a mark for yourself. <laughs> As the, it should be noted, and it's mentioned here, like the NWO run, like is what it is. It's a great look, but as an actual character on the TV, he is still an absolute. Oh hero. yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, I wasn't gonna bring it up, but Rob already decided to drop the Benny bomb. So there was the match on Nitro that Savage had with Benny that was pretty solid, and then um, the Benny bomb. I mean, I didn't. Hey, Bob, Bob that was your phrase, me. pal. That was your <laughs> phrase. And then, uh, uh, okay, so he wrestled the the Dome Show on January fourth in two thousand. He yeah. wrestled Rick Steiner. He did. Yeah. He was. I I forgot he was in. He was in an infamous battle royal on Thunder in like May two thousand. That's that where thing. I was. God, Oracle and I are on the same wavelength because we were. It was the go home show for Slambury. Whatever the triple is that the triple cage with Arquette? Yeah, yeah that was it was the go home for that. And there was a battle royal, and Randy Savage comes out, just more jacked than anyone in the ring. He gets uh, gets in the ring and throws the most beautiful working punch you will ever see on Chris Candido, and of course Candido sells it like he got shot. Meanwhile, David Arquette comes to the ring and doesn't understand the spot that Jarrett and Paige have set up on the ramp and walks into a gimmicked part of the ramp and falls through it because he hadn't, they hadn't told him not to go there. <laughs> and then you know what came of that? Nothing. <laughs> Randy Savage was never on WCW ever mm-hmm. again. It, I, I, I'm sure I could find it if I dug hard enough, but I don't know what the idea or the it, intended plan it was. It has to be a contractual thing, right? Like he had to – it has to it's, be. It's also uh... – so gosh, I'm 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 talking like Dusty Rhodes now, or or, uh, or Cody with my list. Give, give me some of that <laughs> rib, the Oracle. Oracle, give me give them some of the fire up that barbecue, baby. <laughs> but uh, it, it also uh, should be noted that um, the hell in this cup. Um, God knows what I've been drinking. Uh, but anyways, uh, as you were saying, noted that this... Savage is like. Last two runs, like between his when when he left to get surgery or whatever in the summer of '98, until when he came back for the Team Madness, he shows up randomly on the last night show of '98 and helps Flair beat Bischoff. You remember this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he like hits mm-hmm. the elbow and like he disappears for another four months. 
Yeah, and he just like his entrance is fast. Like the way he does it, like he's kind of like in a disguise. It feels, but he's not. He's still, yeah. you know, <laughs> and he take, does the reveal. Yeah. yeah, and like he shows, and then he leaves for months. Then he does the team madness stuff. Then he leaves for nine months and does that battle royal that that, that yeah. Alex and I were just talking. Was about. the team mad? Well, before team madness, he came back as a special ref at Spring Stampede. Correct. 99. That's that's what start. That was like the beginning of the team madness. In stuff. that insane match that for the four guys involved, Flair, yes. DDP, Hogan, and. Uh, is it Sting? Sting. Yep. It's like a GCW scramble for those four it's guys. Fun, like yeah. the shit it's they're really doing, fun. it's insane. Um, okay, so I'm going through the comments here. There's two things I need to. For, uh, Randy's ready to rumble cameo. He is in the 7 Eleven or whatever the convenience store is in the beginning. And it's when uh, David Arquette has his brain freeze and he gets into an <laughs> argument with Ahmed Zappa. <laughs> And then Randy turns him around and he's like, now I'm going to get you. And then he hits him <laughs> and then uh, he tags in Jimmy King to come in and save the day. There's a great outtake from that where Jimmy King tries to throw a fake punch and I guess actually hits Randy he goes, oh, shit. And he like tries to apologize to him. Uh, and then someone else asked about the TNA thing. It's not a match. The match that was set up was uh, AJ. <laughs> Jeff Hardy and Savage against who were calling themselves the Kings of wrestling being Nash Hall and uh, Jeff Jarrett. And Randy comes in for like the very end. He yeah. does a sleeper hold and then him and Jarrett do the Brett Davy finish where he like crumbles down on him. And then he was never seen again because Savage said he should win the NWA title. And you know, who's to say that type of thing. Incredible <laughs> fault, <though. laughs> dude. Like it, it does. Randy Savage, one of the greatest ever, guy who wrestled in stadiums all around the world. The idea of him wrestling in the Impact Zone is very sad to me. So, and yeah, it's probably yeah. for the best. It was just a thing that everyone could forget, right? Yeah. Until Impact had to upload every match of note ever produced on their YouTube channel, in, the, in which case we now know this exists. Okay. Well, with this dropping right now, their fucking social media is probably. Uh, Watch oh, yeah. every Randy Savage moment <laughs> in TNA. The new Randy Savage playlist, the Impact Plus, you know. Um, all right, I love it. Let's, let's put a bow on on Randy Savage. We had a hell of a time here this evening. We'll, we'll put a bow on Savage. We'll pick next month's Grap Plot. We'll give ourselves a few minutes to reset. And then we'll discuss the death of professional wrestling. Um <laughs> I'm just. It will be. It will be more Trump than that. Trump is too far, but it will be more fun than that, I promise. All right, Trump. The legacy. Bob's listening. Huh? The, the legacy of Randy Savage. Bob, um, take it away, pal. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think um, just more like staying power than most wrestlers uh, to ever do it. Like I said at the beginning, like he's right up there with Hogan. He's in the Slim Jim ads again. They had one on during SummerSlam. He's in. He's featured in them with LA Knight and uh, Bianca Belair, whoever the hell else they put in them every month. Uh, it's 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 a testament to him, you know, and uh, just the mainstream crossover. He was in the first Spider-Man, um, you know, the couple other movies that Alex mentioned earlier. Um, just the staying power and the influence and, you know, it just... And he really feels like the guy where, you know everyone gets a return to WWE and he's the one that didn't. And it kind of feels like that was the turning point for everyone getting a return. And there's truth to that. Yeah. You know, it just, it's a shame that he didn't get it, but uh, you know, for him to still be remembered and celebrated like he is is really cool too. Absolutely. I co-sign completely 
one of wrestling's most iconic characters, one of its most unique, great pro wrestlers, bell to bell, right? Has such a, a unique flavor to his work. Obviously, the promos go about saying, um, yeah, very, very special piece of pro wrestling history for sure. Oracle, what about you, mate? Anything out um, on the legacy of Savage? Uh, you know, uh, I think for my money, he might be the uh, probably the greatest wrestling character of all time, just in terms of, right. you know, larger than life, uh, flamboyant, uh, you know, the pageantry and the entrances, the way he carried himself, the charisma, uh, the gear, the colors, um, and and that all blended in, you know, with his in, with with his in ring style. Um, just, just, just an all-time great. Um, <clears throat> still, probably somewhat underrated in the ring. Agree. Uh, just, 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 just an exceptional wrestler. Uh, and in every sense of the word, he was both a great pro wrestler and, uh, even though it's a it's a cliche, meme term, and 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 a great sports entertainer, right? Yeah. Um, he really he was. I mean, Hulk Hogan was kind of the first sports entertainer, but to me, Randy mastered it. Yeah, mastered that yeah. style of wrestling. He was the one who really, really, really mastered that because he was, you know, awesome in Memphis in his, you know, early years of that character that he formed were in Memphis. But to me, he perfected that sports entertainment style character even more so than Hogan, because Hogan was Hogan in, in, in the AWA, right? Right. Um, Savage was 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 one of a kind and, and sort of made that sort of approach to wrestling unique and perfected it. And, um, <clears throat> you know, only only a certain amount of people can do that, you know? Only only certain wrestlers can do that. I, I, I'd say my number two sports entertainer in, ter- in terms of that would probably be The Rock, right? Just in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, implementing that, that type of uh, that type of uniqueness to wrestling and uh, Savage was both great as 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 a wrestler and and as an entertainer. Hmm. There's overlap with our last subject, right? With Eddie, I think, in terms of him having the best mm-hmm. of both worlds dynamic. He was mm-hmm. this incredibly colorful character on the sports entertainment side, but also when the bell rung, you you could just get you'd sink a team into his work. I, I think they're they're similar in that way. Um, very unique as a short list of guys, right? Who fit. Best of both worlds like that. Um, Alex, we've, we've spoken awful lot about Randy Savage and the many memories, but feel free to kind of to, to put a bow on this thing, brother. The legacy of Randy Savage, go for it. So I always conflate it with Owen's day of dying. Uh, May, it was May 20th when Randy died. Uh, Owen was May 23rd. May 20th of 2011, uh, My I was living with my buddy John at the time, and uh, – he actually like woke me up. He's like, "Hey, I need you need to know what happened." And it was like, <clears throat> it honestly, you know, it felt like um, my emotions I went through were like when Michael Jackson died, or when George Harrison died, or like um, Prince, um, even something like. Ronald Reagan or George Bush, like of people of like, I know how silly that sounds, but to me it was like this person on the same level of impact to like, just 
global affairs as these fuckers like i was i remember just being kind of like completely like rendered mute by it and that's not happened for any wrestler besides that like Mm -hmm. obviously there's been brody lee bray wyatt wrestler souls like there's been like shocking things that have come out that really like uh stay with you and like terry is an obvious recent example of like i i honestly just thought terry funk was never gonna die but like when randy savage died it was just like fuck man and part of a big part of that too was what bob alluded to of like when he left he left he never came back and it was always that randy savage was there uh the the memory of him was there and then it was strange he had had he had kind of he had mended some sort of fence with them because by the, he was still alive when they were making those action figures. Yeah, and I think he might have been in one of the games or something when he, he was, was still in All Stars. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that. Okay, he there was. you go. And that was like '09, so that was a couple of years before he passed. But you know, he wasn't on TV, and it didn't seem like there was any real indication he was going to show up for a Hall of Fame shot or anything like that. Um, but then when he passed, I mean it the best video packages WF's ever done was their tribute package to him. That was set to the scientist by Coldplay. I think that's the best, mm-hmm. the best thing they've ever put together, you know? Um, and it's just so, it's such a good encapsulation of like how important he was, not just to their company, but to wrestling in general, to the fans. Cause he was someone that people like who we've talked about throughout this for as, insanely over the top he as he was the way he wrestled and the way he projected himself people believed in him as though he was like a real human being like it wasn't just this ultimate warrior hulk hogan andre the giant like people really believed in randy savage and that went through even with the nwo shit like you would still see people in the crowd that weren't wearing the nwo t-shirts but when randy savage came out like oh fuck that's randy savage and he was a guy that for as over the top and flamboyant as he was he still always looked like and uh held um the the image of like a badass and he 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 looked like someone who would fuck people up if he needed to and I mean, I I stand by what I said at the beginning. For me, he's up there with Terry as far as like the the all time greats in every who had every aspect of the game mastered and figured it out. And with Terry, of course, it, it, because I brought him up, there's the necessary comparison. Yeah, he had a lot of different eras that he went through, whereas Savage kind of yeah the whole time through. And but. If you just go that sustained period of when Savage showed up to the WWF to when he left, so that would be what six or seven years, really. Yeah. Uh, that's as consistent of a performer as there's ever been in wrestling, yeah. and um, I love the the staying power, as Bob worded it. I, I appreciate so much how his legacy lives on, so much so, and like I said. There's so many pro sports teams that have super fans that just wear the team's colors dressed up as the Macho Man. and Oh, yeah, snap into a Slim Jim, dig it, all that shit, cream of the crop. I could, uh, my favorite is the beat goes on. But um, he, 
I, I think it kind of gets lost in that he was just an unbelievable professional wrestler. And to me, one of the best ever and uh, <clears throat> just someone worth celebrating because I know there was the dark side of the ring and I know there's been the stories of kind of toxic relationship him and Liz had, uh, but honestly they're both gone. And so I don't neither, no one here is qualified to comment on that, nor is right. anyone on Twitter right now, but from what just the, the way he presented himself, all the shit he did for kids. And like in a, in a time when they didn't publicize all the make a wish shit they did, all the things he did for that. And like, he would do that annual reading of the night before Christmas for like children's hospitals every year. And even, like I said, the loyalty to his family. I mean, he, in his personal life with his, you know, relationship with Liz or something that I, I can't comment on that, but like, or cause I don't know, but I'm just trying to say is like, he seemed like a dude that tried to do the best he could in a fucking world that was in, in a mindset that was so warped and made up and, uh, I think he's just someone that deserves trumpeting, especially over the likes of Hulk Hogan and shit like that. He, he was just, he was the guy of that era. And I think, um, his legacy, his legacy, excuse me, should live on the way it has. I love it. Wonderfully said. Um, there he is folks. Green grappler, Randy Savage. Um, it's hard to do a, a name of that caliber justice but i think we tried our very best this evening so that was that was wonderful all right before we get out of here for this first for the real show of the night we'll look ahead and book in next month's grin grappler um we'll probably be a quicker turnaround because we should probably i guess we'll try and do this before new year's and christmas is crazy right so we'll probably try and do it before before christmas kicks in so yeah probably be a quicker turnaround so here's our candidates fellas we'll Bob's, pretty Bob's long list the dumb show so Get exactly, yeah. I don't <laughs> know if he's going to take that hidden blade very well, but nonetheless. Um, okay, our first candidate we mentioned him earlier, and this could be interesting. Ravishing Rick Rude. Be very interesting. We've got some other heavy hitters. We have Stone Cold Steve Austin on the board. We have uh, Ruthless Aggression Legend, Shad Bob O'Neill, Kurt Angle. Hmm. Um, SmackDown 6 member also, Rey Mysterio Jr. I was hoping for Chavo. Contrary <laughs> and Alex's favorite, Rob Van Dam. And we have an interesting, a potential, uh, you know, tag team episode, but really two singles guys where they would be featured on the other ones. Both Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli are on the board. And I think they're both interesting candidates. Oh, I read that. man. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, so we've got Rude, Hero, Castagnoli, RVD, Austin Angle. Ray Jr., some heavy hitters. We're not going to be missing out on names for December anytime soon. Alex, your hand is raised, yes. <laughs> All right, so this can be vetoed. We're doing this live. Just So okay. I did propose this previously, but in the wake of the Iron Claw, I was thinking we could maybe do a Grand Grappler Von Eriks. You did. I like that idea. You did. Yeah. I, I think we... So that comes out on December... 22nd, so we yeah. can get it in before. Oh, yeah, we can get it in before. Get it in as a hype. You're right. You do, I, uh, Sorry, it's been a long month. No, Let's... no need to apologize. I, you're the one doing the grunt work for this, but I was thinking we could do, like, we could start with Fritz and Baba and 75 and then kind of work our way down. Oh, I like this. No, we should. We need we, to do that. We, yeah. we, okay. All I got to ask is. Oh. 
Can we can can Carrie and Lawler be on there? I think that would be oh. necessary. Has to be. Especially because it's got incredible funny stories surrounding it. Yeah. This and then uh, look, we got some big names for December. The, this thing's sticking around. We can get to those next year. Let's do it. Oh, Only yeah. one Iron Claw release, bro. Let's do it. One Eric's. All right. I, yeah. Sorry, Joe. I don't mean to diminish the no. work you did in the research. That That's funny fine. story. Uh, Steve Austin's birthday is December 18th, and my dad's is the 16th. And when I was a little kid, I always used to get them confused. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, yeah we can uh, put together like a um we don't i don't even think we need to do any of texas tornado and wbf we can just put together six matches of the the fritz and the boys on the way down so mm-hmm. i love it i think it's the right call especially because we're going to be going a little earlier in the month think we'll be nice and topical a little bit of a dunk on me because the film's not coming out here until february but you know <laughs> being british and things of that nature um all right folks I'm gonna. Um, we will. We'll do this here because I'm not sure everyone's gonna watch the second show before we we get out here. Alex, please do plug the Contrarians while we've got the nice house here for for Green Grout. Mate, go for it. Thanks, sir. Uh, we are the Contrarians.com at Contrarian Prime on all your social media platforms. Uh, coming out this week, uh, the 2021 Suicide Squad, starring Big Match John, um, a movie that's 40 minutes too long, but. Uh, I sit through it so you don't have to type of thing. Margaret Roby's really good in it um, as Harley Quinn. And then, yeah, we have our patron, uh, patron.com slash contrarian prime. We got a few upcoming projects for that. One, which we're going to do a, a six-part series on um, pornographic performers that attempted to cross over into mainstream film. Mm-hmm. So famous examples like... Sasha Gray in The Girlfriend Experience by Steven Soderbergh, or um, there's some French art house movies. And so, so that'll be interesting to see. But uh, as always, I greatly appreciate y'all. Let me come on here and plug what we do. Absolutely. Okay, folks, here's the deal. We're going to be gone for five to 10 minutes. We're going to all reset. We're going to ponder the future of this great sport we love. And we're going to be back here. We may be here for 20 minutes maybe for half an hour we may god forbid be here for an hour and more i don't know but if we were not going to go live we would simply sit here and talk about the same thing anyway <laughs> so we're going to just do it and let you guys sit in on it and hopefully none of us get in trouble along the way <laughs> hopefully it is in fact now a quarter to four here so i may get in trouble but i'll simply go to sleep and forget it ever happened anyway so stay stay where you're at maybe get some snacks i don't know it's not going to be very theatrical. It's not going to be very flashy, but we're just going to kind of sit here and talk bullshit here for the, for the rest of uh, however long we've got left of the night. So with that, we'll see you hopefully back here shortly. But thanks for joining us for a wonderful Green Grout. This is the biggest. More people will watch this Green Grout than any other, by the way, fellas. It was oh, okay. Savage still draws, fellas. Still got it. Um, wonderful stuff. The glasses are back on. Bob, don't worry about the hat. It looked like an ordeal. It yeah. looked like, really looked like an effort. Yeah, it's not um, in great shape. No, it didn't look. No <laughs> impressive. All right, we'll be back. But for now, keep grinning. Oh, how. And enjoy this outro, folks. Beat goes on.